broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode 119 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. And we are joined by our awesome friend, Dave Nordstrom again. Howdy. Welcome back, Juggernaut King. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the Jug King is very different, so I'll take Juggernaut King. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Dave's joining us because the last time we had him on the show was for the last Blades of Corn book, which was a ages ago. So it's great to have you on board, man. Yeah, actually, this is one of the few times I've been on the show and we haven't talked Space Marines. So I'll try to squeeze some in there for you, Dan. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, we, we could do that. Maybe a book or Change something. Change of plans. <laughs> World Eaters book review. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Which podcast is this? All right. We are going to review what, Brendan? Uh, the Blades of Corn Battle Tome. No. Yeah. Blood for the Blood God. Sure. Skulls for the Skull Throne. Yeah. Okay. I've eaten nothing but raw meat and drunk nothing but pig's blood. Wow. In anticipation so you're, of the show. I'm done You're prepped. The Daniel Day-Lewis of Warhammer podcast. Right, exactly. You're, you're prepped? <laughs> I'm very prepped. Okay. Awesome. And I think that's it. We're going to dive right in because a lot to talk about here, as usual, in the Chaos Book, a bazillion heroes, a few other War Scrolls. I, I counted it was 20, yeah. 20 heroes. <laughs> okay. A casual 20, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, compared to eight, just regular yes. War Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> typical, very typical. All right, Jensen, let's move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay, we're going to start out, as we always do, with Hobby and Dave as the guest. You're going to go first, man. Hobby? Well, I don't need to do any corn, Hobby, because everything I have is ready. Although I did get do I did get the new hero at Adepticon. Yep. So I would like to put one of those together. But other Hobby, speaking of Adepticon, before Adepticon, I had to get my Custodes ready, so I did a lot of Custodes. Oh, for Heresy. Yeah, for Heresy. Yep. You have some Heresy Custodes. I had to get them ready, so it's nice. I have... 15, I have almost have like 2,000 points fully painted now. Wow. So, so it's eight, eight custodians. Right. So eight, yep. <laughs> but it's seven in a dreadnought. So. Okay. <laughs> God. And then, uh, yeah, before that, I was working heavily. If you don't even follow me on Twitter, I was working a lot on a Slave Darkness Army, which is now going in the trash can because the jugs are back. So there you go. Uh, that's <laughs> the boys are back stuff. in town. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to see played Thursday night. And then it was like, no. He opens this plastic box, listeners, and there's like a bazillion jugs in there. I'm like, okay, fine. It's only 24 plus the Lord. Let's play. Anyway, so cool. Yeah, I wrote a list, you know, where I asked the question, how many juggernauts can I fit in a list? And I sent it to Dave and I said, what do you think? And he goes, looks good to me. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So good. Coolio. Brendan, how about you, man? Paint and Skaven. Yeah. Paint and Skaven. Got the whole army built. Now we're painting. Rubicon doesn't require paint, so technically I'm legal for Rubicon. (laughs) We'll certainly do our best to have it be as well painted as it can. Okay. I've finished three Storm Fiends so far, so that's uh, (laughs) that's most of my list, so we're almost done. Did that say anything about painted? I did promise that, like, I would hobby the army up, so, like, I suppose it doesn't matter the order, as long as I play it in a tournament and the army does get hobbied. So those are mutually exclusive. Potentially. Normally they're not. Like, normally the tournament has a painting requirement, Mm -hmm. and 
therefore would have to be painted prior to said event. But this seems to be a situation where I'm in the clear if something goes sideways on me. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I don't expect to because they paint up quick. I can paint two of them in like an hour and a half. So oh, the um, storm fiends. Yeah, we'll call okay. that like a weekend, and sure, I can be done. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> and I imagine the clan rats will go just as quickly. So a bazillion yeah. of those. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, all twenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good because we're running out of weekends. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Well, yeah, and I got all sorts of other stuff going on. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so I'm just working on my Celestin Prime, who I've decided to try in my Sylvaneth list. I'm still going back and forth between a Tree Lord Ancient and the Prime, but I'm going to model him up and hobby him up and get him done in case and try him the next couple times that we play practice games and see, and it's easy to swap him in and out. I mean, I've got plenty of time before the end of the month. Yeah, just working him up and trying to make him look like he belongs in a Sylvaneth army instead of a Stormcast army. I got rid of all that silly star stuff that kind of whirls around and we're going to try something a little more uh, natural i guess it is a very wobbly model the way it's built oh, it's, it's, it's basically <laughs> yeah, you just pull them by the top and you'll just yeah swing back and forth right crazy stuff that's really all i've been doing hobby wise i can't think of anything else that that's really been going on all right pre-orders we got soul blight and bone reapers today yep. are going to go on pre-order books so get a new hero yep and other stuff, as always, all of the other accoutrements. The no, certainly not as always. Not every book seems to be well, getting War Scroll cards for some well, reason. That's true. Do these? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, we can I mean, look probably, and find right? out. Yeah. Well, I, I know so. Bone Reapers does because those are the first things to leak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Probably Soul Blight will as well. So that's really it for pre-orders. It? Not a whole lot of other stuff unless it comes out while we're recording, and then we won't know about it, and we can't tell you. So that's the way that goes. Stuff that dropped. Today was 40k boarding boxes. There are three more. There were a bunch last time, but Custodes and Thousand Sons and Sisters all get boarding boxes today. You're good to go. If you're a 40k player, you get so many choices of those things. Just buy one of each and just stack them up and decide what you want to do. Yeah, all good. Games played other than Sigmar. Dave, anything you've been doing? Computer uh, or well, anything? I mean, so Adepticon off the, the Horus Heresy. Right. I was playing yeah. the Custodes, so, so that that was a great time. Yeah, if you play Horus Heresy, you really need to. I know it's mainly an AOS show, but if you do play Horus Heresy, you need to find a day at Adepticon to go play one of the Horus Heresy events. It's some of the best in the country and some of the best in the world, so it's it's definitely worth your time if you play Horus Heresy to, to find a day to play that stuff. And then other than that, some other games. Finally, playing a regular D and D campaign again. Oh, nice. Uh, Game store here in Milwaukee, Warpstorm. Yeah. Regular campaigns going, so I've been playing in that. That's been fun. Oh, cool. And then also I've been playing a little bit of a Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, yeah. So I, was, I took a little break because I needed all my available hobby time to get stuff ready for Adepticon, but now that that's passed and my army's ready for Rubicon, I might get back to doing some more sure. Song of Ice and Fire because that's a really good game. Yes, it is. Yeah. I just like it because it's a good mix. It's an old rank and flank game. Mm -hmm. It's not nearly as complicated as old Warhammer Fantasy. No. Which I know hurts. I know it hurts Brendan's soul. <laughs> no, but, but you're right. It's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Give me a more complicated game. <laughs> it's coming. It's called the Old World. I'm so excited. You'll never hear from me again. <laughs> I I actually finished my Ultimate Admiral British campaign. The one thing that I was stuck on that I had talked about a couple few episodes ago, I had to defeat this huge Spanish ship of the line. Well, it turns out that if I actually read my orders from the Admiralty, that was an option. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> so all I did was rescue the ship I had to rescue and then order everybody to turn around and run like hell. 
And that's what we did. And I won the scenario. So that was cool. And then worked my way through the others. It got pretty dicey in the last few because these huge, it basically shifts after that point to where you're fighting the French and the Americans off the coast of, you know, the colonies in the revolution. And some of those French fleets were just freaking monstrous. But by then I had like eight ships and I finally figured out how to give orders to people and stuff. But it was really, really fun and really, really interesting. And then I played my first game of Constantinople, which was the game I talked about last time, was an old, you know, cardboard, paperboard, hexagon thing. I actually got a stalemate for my first time playing. It was just fascinating. The rules are so cool because you get such an idea of all the things that were going on, the politics and treachery. And, you know, there's a there's this random table every turn you have to roll on and certain barbarians get activated. Your people do just all the stuff that was going on throughout the Byzantine world at the time gets rolled into this game. So it makes it really fun. And then the last thing was I know that when we talked about Adepticon, I said that I really don't like the Battletech board game with miniatures, and I don't. It's still just way too clunky for me. But I love the novels and the story. I loved a game called Mech Warrior 4 Mercenaries. It was a great game. It had a joystick on a computer, and I was just rocking it. It was so much fun. Well, they've come out now. It's been out a while, but I wasn't aware of it. But they have Mech Warrior 5 Mercenaries. And I've been loving that game. I actually got another joystick, because I don't know what happened to my old one. Just rocking those robots. Watching those missiles impact and stuff. It's like, yeah, this is good. Like, yeah, did you ever good, play man. the Mech Commander video game? Yes. That yeah. was incredible. Yeah. That's the game they need to bring back. So That's... people who, who don't know, that was Mech Warrior, you're only ever controlling one Mech. Mech Commander, you had a whole squad. Yep. And you could control several different mechs, and you could upgrade them. Like, you know, you defeat some clan oh, guys, you could really sell your mechs. That was an amazing And game. I still remember the introduction cinematic when they had that one squad that was, like, patrolling, and yep. that Mad Cat showed up, and it was, ah. Uh, uh. Yeah, and I just loved the mechanics of Mech Commander, Dave. That yeah. You're right. And you had this, like, big picture. It was like you were in a drone looking down on yep. everything. It was very cool. That was a great game. So those are the things I've been playing other than Sigmar. How about you, Brendan? Nothing. Nothing? Just... Nothing. Doing other stuff. Yeah. Doing painting. life. Doing life painting. and painting. painting. Okay. Sigmar games for you Nothing. at all? We played a game. We did, Dan. We yeah. Did. You and I. Thursday. Thursday. Yep. You, <laughs> of course, I brought my Sylvaneth. But like I t- said earlier, you brought this box just full of jugs, man. There's 25 of them in there. I'm going, oh, God. Oh, God. It's like a flashback <laughs> to, to years ago when you used to play them. And uh, it actually was a close game. Yeah, it ended up being uh, really close, yeah. As we were just talking before, it was really cool. The last two games we played have come down to one or two dice rolls. Yeah. And uh, I felt good about it because I actually lost priority every turn again, <laughs> including that one that was a cocked dice, and you're like, yep. roll it. I rolled like a one or something. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, it was just really, really fun to figure out what to do with things. Durthu is just, if you play him right, you know, see, this is the thing. It's taken me how many games now to learn how to play him right. But when you do, he's just insane. Yeah, Durthu is the bane of my existence. <laughs> oh, God. He was just killing a unit a turn. But like you said, Dan, he's 300 plus points. He's being buffed by another 200 plus point character. Yeah. You know, so he's like 500 points with all, you know, basically it's a five, 600 point model. So yeah, he yeah. should be killing yeah. a bunch and of stuff. And he really is your only serious threat piece in that army. Yeah. You know. Well, it's him so, and just the Warsong were left after yeah, the game. Yeah, exactly. That's the first game I've tried my Celestin Prime, and we both agreed that I used him wrong, so next time I won't. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, 
that was cool to see you with so many brass beasties on the table. That yeah. was very cool. And you had a couple new characters and a couple other things. You have a bazillion new rules we're going to talk yep. about. A bunch of new rules, very very exciting. A bunch of new characters. So I just so my list real quick was the the Jug Lord. He's the general which unlocked the Juggernauts as battle lines. So I took twenty four Juggernauts. <laughs> In five units, and then I took two <laughs> two slaughter priests, which is still good. Um, with there's a bunch of great characters now. The Whippy Boy is really good for this army. Like I said, I think the the new character is intriguing to me. So there's a bunch of great options with this book. Okay, great stuff, and we'll talk in detail about yes. that in a little bit. Events we've been talking about Spring Rubicon forever. It's three weeks away now. It's not that far. That's coming up. Your Kansas City Open, Brendan, yep. is coming up. Yeah, that's about it. I think for us and we're still looking at what's going to go on with stuff in summer we know there is nashcom we know there's siege world those kind of things but well can i make an announcement yes sir oh yeah so i've been working with like i said the new game store in milwaukee called warp store oh yeah yeah yeah. and i've been talking with them and a different event organizer they've been working with who i met at adepticon and we're talking about running me running events at warp storm for aos hey awesome man okay uh, anyone knows if anyone's familiar with the 40k scene warp storm is very into the local southeast wisconsin 40k stuff 40k scene they run all the major events around here and they want to get into aos but none of those guys are aos guys Yes, who is an AOS guy and goes to the store all the time anyway. Yeah, and knows so, enough people. And knows yeah. enough people. And they know people, too. And the event organizer I'm working with, he knows a bunch of people. He's got a good network. So That's oh, great. Again, no dates yet, but as soon as we're all, I'll let you guys know. And we were talking sometime this summer and start running some AOS events. I'm not looking to interfere with any other stores going around here. Do you think it'd be one days, two days? Do you? I would imagine it would start with one day. Sure, definitely. that makes sense. We'll, I ramp up to two-day events. That's oh, great, man. That's so. It's yep. just like Rubicon is gonna be so close. It's like get in the car, go, come home. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm super excited. That's cool. It's definitely a gap we're missing down here, and I'm, I'm excited to help fill it. And that's great that you're gonna take. Well, you don't take miss the leadership our on that. Six a.m. to ten p.m. days driving to Chicago for one day events. <laughs> rather not. Yeah. yeah. Well, if I'm bidding up at six for an event, I'd rather it be like ten minutes from my house, not sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Two and that, hours. That store is so close to you. So yeah. Perfect. That's great news. Make sure you let us know so we can. Yeah, definitely. Get it on the show and, and uh, shout it out for people. That's really cool news. Exciting, exciting. All right. I think that's it, gentlemen, then, for Whispers, yeah? Yeah. Yep. We're just rocking it today. Short Whispers. Uh, yeah. Book time. Book time. Book time. All right. We are moving into Emperor Lies and Bloody Blades of Corn. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. All right, gents, we're back with Blades of Corn, And as always, we're going to start with battle traits. We have slaughter hosts, of course, which are the sub-factions. We'll talk about those in detail in a little bit. Who wants to talk about Locus of Fury? I'll start with that. Okay. So this is friendly Blades of Corn demon units that are more than eight inches away from all enemy units. If you meet this condition, you benefit from the Locus of Fury. Units have a ward of a five up while they benefit from the Locus of Fury. If a friendly Blades of Corn demon unit retreats, it does not benefit from the Locus of Fury for the rest of the battle. Oh, okay. So that's a five up against shooting. It's a five up against mortals. And unless somebody gets within eight inches of you, then then you lose it. That's pretty good. Cool. Right. It addresses one of the big weaknesses of the demon half was they're very, very fragile. It addresses some of that, and now you're... You have a puncher's chance. You have a puncher's chance of getting in combat where you want to be. Okay. How about murderers to the last? Dave, you want to... Yeah, I can do that. On that one? Every time a friendly bloodbound model, so that, that's the keyword that covers all the mortal corn units in this book. A uh, model is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon. You can pick one enemy unit within three inches of that model and make a murder roll by rolling a dice. On a five plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. 
If the slain blah blah model is a hero, make three murder rolls instead of one. Oh, great. Lovely. I die, I might do some wounds back to you. Yeah, good stuff. The next one is appropriate because I hate it. <laughs> it's Your uh, hatred of hatred of sorcery? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so hatred of sorcery is the rule, and each time a friendly Blades of Corn unit is affected by a spell cast by an enemy unit or the abilities of an endless spell summoned by an enemy unit, make a hatred of sorcery roll by rolling a dice. On a five up, ignore the effects of that spell or endless spell's ability on that unit and you receive a blood tithe point. Oh, bonus. <laughs> like it's not good enough already. This is just crazed. This is so good. And I think, Jens, there's a way to buff this up to make it like a four up, isn't it? Somewhere in the book? Yes. If I remember. Even better than that. Okay, so. even better than yeah. that. Yeah. That's one of the blood tithe awards. Okay. And I would like to point out too, so the three abilities we just talked about, two of them are brand new, the Locus of Fury. The Murderous to the Last are new for this book. There was a version of Hatred of Sorcery in the prior fact update for this book, whenever from 2nd to 3rd edition. This one seems but it so was, good. It was only a 6-up. Obviously, a 5-up is way better than a 6-up. Sure. So this is just so, so good. Yep. All right. Legions of Chaos. Standard Coalition, two in every four can be Slaves of Darkness. One in every four can be Beasts of Chaos. There's some restrictions on what keywords they can and cannot have. It's just like all the other big Chaos books. Yep. Okay. It's the same as all the other ones. Fair enough. Blood Dave, Tithe. Blood you tithe. are our corn guy, so <laughs> you get to talk about Blood Tithe, which is just so stupid. All right. In a good way. <laughs> so Blood Tithe, this is the big army-wide ability. Mm-hmm. And you earn Blood Tithe by killing units, yours or your opponents. Every time a unit dies, you gain one Blood Tithe. And there's other ways and bonuses to increase that, but traditionally oh. it's a unit dies, yours or an opponent's, you gain one blood, blood tithe point, and there's two ways to spend them. One way is summoning, and the fun way is blood tithe reward. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Let's go over some okay. of this stuff. What well, is... Another big change for blood oh. tithe, and again, this was in one of the fact updates previously, but it retained it for this book, is okay. blood tithe, when you earn it, you don't lose it all. You used to lose all oh, your blood tithe. Yeah, that's you right. Any of it. Now, if you have eight blood tithe points and you do a two-point ability, you still have six. They don't. That's very good. Bring it in line with literally everything else. Right. <laughs> Which probably always should have been. You know? Yep. So we're talking about the blood tithe rewards first, and this is how you spend them. At the end of each hero phase, each hero phase, yours and your opponents, you can spend your blood tithe points on one of the following blood tithe reward abilities from the list below. Each ability costs a number of blood tithe points next to its entry, and you can only spend the blood tithe points on a reward if you have enough blood tithe points to do so. And then Rising Hatred and Slaughter Triumphant can be picked Ugh. multiple times. The same battle, and they are cumulative. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. This chart did exist before, but there's some new abilities on here, and the ones that were have been tweaked and switched around. So, okay. like you said, Dan, uh, I'll start with Murder Loss. This is the one blood point uh, ability. So, up to three different friendly Blades of Corn units, more than three inches from all enemy units, can make a move of D6, roll separately for each unit. They can finish this move within three inches of enemy units. <laughs> it's incredible. So, this is during either player's hero phase. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we saw the benefits of this in our game Thursday night. Yeah. It was very powerful. And like you were saying earlier too, Brandon, like basically it gives the whole army a run in charge. Because yep. that D6 is basically what, mm-hmm. you, what your run move would be. And so you make your D6 move in the hero phase, and then your, and your regular phase, move. you make a normal move, and then you go to work. And it's only one blood tithe point. It's incredible. Yeah, that's really dumb. <laughs> For two points, you get the Spell Eater Curse. You can spend this reward in your opponent's hero phase immediately after an enemy wizard has cast a spell, but before an unbinding attempt is made. That spell is automatically unbound. Do not make an unbinding roll. If you spend blood tithe points on this reward, you cannot spend any blood tithe points at the end of the same hero phase. Boom. Spell. I used it all the time in the old edition, the same as it was, and it was two points then. Still two points is incredible. Just shut down magic armies. Because yeah, there's always one spell your opponent really needs to get off. Yep. And, nope, now they can't. Yeah. Not anymore. All right. Three 
blood tithe points is the Brass Skull Meteor. Pick one enemy unit on the battlefield and roll eight dice. For each five up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Add two to each roll. If the enemy unit has a wounds characteristic of ten or more monsters, or has ten or more models. Poo, yeah, all day. All day. Eight dice on very likely against a lot of units, uh, three up. Yep. Ugh. Man. Well, the units that matter is going to be a three-up. Yep, absolutely. For four blood tithe points, is a popoleptic frenzy. Pick one friendly Blades of Corn unit within three inches of an enemy unit. The Blades of Corn unit can fight. Out of sequence. Out of sequence fights Combat. are always fantastic. And because, again, it's in the hero phase, that means a lot of command abilities and stuff won't work. So just, just go to town. It's so much. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Five points, Rising Hatred, add one to Hatred of Sorcery rolls until the end of the battle. So that's the ability that uh, allows you to ignore spells and pick up Blood Tithe. So the first time you spend it brings you to a four-up. This is one of the ones that is cumulative. So if you happen to be playing against a caster-heavy army and you happen to have rolled well early, turn it into a four-up means that you have a better chance at it later. You can turn it into a three-up, you can turn it into a two-up, you can turn it into a one-up. Ones don't automatically fail in this game necessarily unless they're very specific abilities. Yes. If you somehow do manage to get it to that place, you can neutralize, guaranteed, your opponent's casting. So if you roll well against a Techless Castle, then you're good to go. go it helps you it, generate yeah. your blood tithe faster for uh, another one that gets you lots of points later. Hmm. Heads must roll is six blood type points. Improve the Ren characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Blades of Corn units by one until the end of the turn. That's all friendly Blades of Corn units. Yeah, there's no range. It's everything, no. On, on, everything the on the board. It's Shoot. just one turn, but it's still really good. Yeah. I mean, I think about your jugs have, you know, uh, rend of one. If they had had a rend of two in that game, oh, yeah. they would have done a lot more work. I can oh, tell yeah. you. That would have been really bad. All right, so for seven blood type points, is let the blood flow. Roll one dice for each enemy unit on the battlefield is within three inches of any friendly blades of corn units. On a two up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wound. So yeah. your army wants to be in combat. If you got some term where your whole army's in combat or just about, let this one go and just do mortal wounds across the whole board. Last one, also the other one that can be used multiple times for eight blood tithe points. Slaughter Triumphant, you had one of the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly blades of corn units until the end of the battle. Seems good to me. Honestly, just even doing that one once, and like some of these bloodthirsters we're about to find out have a ton of attacks. Yeah. So, like nine, ten attacks on a bloodthirster? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, sure, that seems fine. Yeah, it seems fair. All right. Then we have summoning, yeah? Where you had to spend at the end of the hero phase the summoning blades of corn heroes and units. That is done at the end of your movement phase. So you can't Mm -hmm. summon units in your opponent's movement phase, just yours. All these units have a points cost. And when you choose to spend it, you have to set them up more than 9 inches from all enemy units and either wholly within 8 inches of any friendly corn heroes or wholly within 16 inches of a skull altar in your army. Bloodmaster and Fleshhounds with 5 models are 3 points. A Skullmaster is 4. Uh, Herald of Corn on Blood Throne, a Skull Cannon. One unit of Blood Crushers with 3 models and one Blood Order Host with 10 models are all 5. One Fleshhound unit with 10 models is 6. One Blood Order Host with 20 models, which is crazy, is 8 points. <laughs> and then all three of the Bloodthirsters are 10. Oh, Blood Letters. Blood yeah, Letters. Yeah. Blood Letters. Never mind. Yeah, 40 That's 40 wounds, 40 wounds for 8 points. For eight points. Yep, yep. We're going to get to that War Scroll at some point here. <laughs> yep. Yep. They are good. So those are the battle traits. Okay. Over to heroes. heroes. Yeah. Let's do Heroes. All right. So who wants to start with Scarbrand? I don't know. I think it's appropriate that Dave does. All he's... Right. All right, everyone's favorite wingless bloodthirsters back, Scarbrand. 8-inch move, 16 wounds, 10 bravery, 4-up save. Get used to that profile. He cannot fly because he doesn't have wings. They're all, they're all beaten up because Corrin threw him through a planet. 
Yeah. <laughs> so he starts with a missile weapon. It's the Aurora of Total Range. Range is eight inches. There's only one attack, and then there's a chart for this. It's Aurora of Total Rage. Do not use the attack sequence for an attack made with Aurora of Total Rage. Instead, pick one enemy unit within range of the attack and roll a number of dice equal to the Aurora of Total Rage value on this unit's damage table for each four up. Unit suffers one mortal wound, so it starts at two and goes down to five. So with, as appropriate, he gets... Yep. He gets stronger as he gets more wounded. As he gets angrier, yeah. As he gets angrier, yeah. His melee weapon, see, is Slaughter and Carnage. So Slaughter is a two-inch range. The number of attacks starts at five, goes down to eight. (laughs) Twos and twos, minus two, three damage. Seems fine. Not not bad. That seems all right. Seems all right. And his other weapon, his most famous one, is Carnage. Again, two-inch range, just one attack. Again, there's a chart for that because it's very special. The attacks characteristics of Carnage cannot be modified. In addition, do not use the attack sequence for an attack made with Carnage. Instead, roll a dice. The target suffers eight or more roll wounds if the roll is equal to or greater than the Carnage value, shown in this unit's damage table. If the roll is six, you will suffer 16 mortal wounds instead. Again, four plus when he's not very angry, and one plus when he's extremely angry. So again, you know, you roll six, 16 mortal wounds, or you roll a one, and you do eight mortal wounds. Again. That's terrible. Not terrible. Yeah, it's just horrible. No. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. yeah. So the big thing about Scarbrand and why his damage chart is backwards is his rule, Scarbrand's Rage. At the start of each battle round after the first, unless this model fought in both combat phases in the previous battle round, it becomes enraged until the end of the battle round. While this unit is enraged, use the bottom mm-hmm. row on his damage table regardless of how many wounds are allocated to it. <laughs> so, and, and you want them, and, and for once you want the, the bottom row because that's when he's most angry, and that's when he's got his best stats. Yeah, he's got five dice for Roar of Total Rage, eight slaughter attacks that are, you know, twos and twos, Ren two, damage three, base. And Carnage triggers on a one. (laughs) It's not a to-hit roll, it's a one. You're just looking for a six at that point. Right. And while Scarbrand is the slowest of the Bloodthirsters because he has no wings, he does have this amazing ability called Inescapable Wrath, which is really good. This unit can attempt to charge if it's within 18 of an enemy unit instead of 12 inches. And you can roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 when making a charge roll for this unit. So that kind of makes up for him being a little bit slower sure. and not being able to fly. But, you know, being able to charge within 18 is always great. And rolling 3d6, even if you are within, I mean, that makes like a 9-inch charge basically automatic. Mm-hmm. Or seemingly automatic. Yes. Very reliable. Very reliable. There we go. So Scarbrand, still good. Next up, we've got the Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster. Movement 12 down to 9, 4 up save, bravery 10, 16 wounds. It's got the Hellfire Breath, which is the attacks are equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 10. 2s and 3s, Ren 1, damage 1. And the Flail, 8-inch range, 1 attack. 3s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 6 down to damage 3. And then the Mighty Axe of Corn, 2-inch range, 8 attacks. 2s and 2s down to 4s, Ren 2, damage D3. It's got Fly. Once per turn, this unit can issue command without a command point being spent. And is the Commander of Tyrants. In the combat phase, when you pick this unit to fight for the first time, you can pick one friendly Bloodthirster with Sense at Rage or Unfettered Fury. Holy within 16 inches unit that has not yet fought in that phase. This unit and that unit can fight one after another in the order of your choice. Thankfully, they spelled out that it's in the combat phase specifically. Yes. Because otherwise, you would be spending it in the hero phase to double fight with Bloodthirsters, and that would be bad. Yeah. For you. I really like this Bloodthirster because he's supposed to be like the commander of the Bloodthirsters. Mm -hmm. He really feels like that now. He really feels like he's in charge of up Thirsters. He would be in charge of the armies. 
not just necessarily like the best fighter, but he's actually you know there's okay. ways to make him feel like a, like a legitimate general. All right. Yeah. Cool. And eight attacks is you know not bad. That's yeah. yeah, all right. Kind of average. Yeah. 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 So understated. All this stuff. <laughs> right. Then we have uh, two bloodthirsters. One is insensate rage, and the other is unfettered fury. So I'll talk about insensate rage. Is the move uh, tables from twelve to nine. Sixteen wounds, four up save, ten bravery. There is the great axe of corn, which has a range of two. Five down to three attacks, fours and twos, minus two rend, D3 plus three damage. And then we have Outrageous Carnage. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with this unit's great axe is a six, that attack causes the number of mortal wounds to each enemy unit within eight inches of this unit equal to the Outrageous Carnage value on this unit's table. It goes from four down to one. In addition to any damage that attack inflicts on the target units. That's everybody within eight. Yep. yep. Good size. Four mortal wounds. Good size bubble. Boom. Really, really good. Minimum four damage. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, it used to be D6. And now it's D3 plus 3, which is obviously way, way better. It's yeah. just like this burst of anger. <laughs> yeah. The big axe bloodthirster was good before. He did not get worse. Okay. Dave, we're back to you. Why don't you talk about the last bloodthirster? That's the, that's the one with the axe and the whip. So again, save... Same same move, wounds, save and bravery as the other ones. He has two weapons. He has, his missile weapon is Lash of Corn. Eight inch range. Attacks start at four, go down to two. Threes and threes, minus one rend, D3 damage. That's pretty good for a missile weapon. Then his melee weapon is Mighty Axe of Corn, two inch range. Eight attacks, hits on twos always. Wounds is a chart, starts at twos, goes on to fours. Minus two rend, D3 damage. Hmm. So again, this guy can fly. His ability is Beck and the Hunt. At the start of your charge phase, you can pick one friendly Blades of Corn unit, holding within 16 of this unit that is not a hero. At the end of that phase, this unit can attempt to charge if it's within 18 of an enemy unit instead of 12, and you can roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 when making a charge roll for that unit, which is really good. His other ability is the Land Rebels. Subtract one for hit rolls mm-hmm. for attacks made by yep. enemy units while they're within 8 inches of enemy friendly units with this ability. In addition, at the end of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 8 inches of enemy friendly units with this ability on a 4-up. That enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. This guy's so good. Mm-hmm. They're all the same points. They're all 330. This is so good. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. I like that they kind of have distinct roles now. So, uh, you know, as I was previously talking about, the Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster is like your general... So he's got like those general like general kind of abilities. Your big your big axe bloodthirster is just your beat stick. And this guy to me is like a leader of like smaller units. Mm-hmm. You know, because he can, you know, give a unit that's not a hero, so not one of the other bloodthirsters, you know, let them, you know, charge 18, and then right, he's just gives out that minus one to hit bubble. Yeah, that's really good. All right, coolio guys. Next up, skull taker. <sighs> Alright. Uh, unique character here, five inch move, four up save, bravery ten, seven wounds. He has the Slayer Sword, 2-inch range, 5 attacks, 2s and 3s, run 1 damage 2. Got a ward of a 4-up, not bad. And yep. then he's got the Slayer Sword, 6s to hit, cause 2 mortal wounds. Unless the target is a hero, then it causes 3, <laughs> and the attack sequence ends. 5 attacks, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got Hero's Bane at the start of the combat phase. You can say that Skull Taker is issuing a challenge. If you do so, pick one enemy hero within 3 inches of this unit. Till the end of that phase, the Strike First effect applies to this unit, but all the attacks that make uh, this phase must target that enemy hero. Sure. Oh no. And Skulls for the Skull Throne. If this unit's including a Blades of Corn Army, each time an enemy hero is slain by attacks made by this unit, you receive one additional Blood Tithe. Point. I mean, this guy is a legitimate hero hunter. 
That's his I mean, lore. That's his whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, he's got rules that make him better at it, but mm-hmm. his profile doesn't indicate that. No. Right? He's got five attacks at twos and threes, rend one, damage two. Cool. So to negate the rend, all you need is all out defense yeah. or mm-hmm. mystic shield to be in cover. I mean, the best hero you're hunting are foot heroes. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. he's not going after big heroes. You no, throw no. him into Durthu, Durthu's uh, going to no. punch him into the moon. Oh, sure. I get that. And even something like the War Song, which is a seven wound model that has a four oh, ward. Like, you're not afraid of this. How about Karnak, Brendan? Sure. Karnak is the named Fleshhound hero. 8-inch move, 4-up save, 10 bravery, 7 wounds. He is the Gore Slick Claws, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s and 4s, no run damage 1. And the 3 Savage Maws, 1-inch range, 6 attacks, 4s by 3s, run 1 damage D3. Mm-hmm. Armed with the Brass Collar of Bloody Vengeance, this unit can attempt to unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase in the same manner as Wizard. If you do so, the caster suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Then uh, Unflagging Hunter, you had two to charge rolls for this unit. Call of the Hunt, if this unit is included in a Blades of Corn army. Friendly Summoned Flesh Hounds units can be set up within 9 inches of this unit, as long as they are set up wholly within 8 inches of this unit. That's really good. Yeah, you can just summon Bloodhounds into combat base. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pray of the Blood God, after deployment but before the first battle round begins, pick one enemy hero to be this unit's quarry. At the end of the enemy movement phase, if this unit is more than 9 inches from all enemy units, it can make a normal move. It must finish that move closer to its quarry than it was at the start of the game. That's good. Yeah. I hate that, you know, yeah. Like, when we get around to Flesh Hounds, like, they're not bad. No. And no. there are three points to summon five, so... Yeah, that's three Woo-hoo. points is really easy to get. Jeez. If you're just summoning them to, like, tie up units, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of flesh hounds... Well, they're not heroes. No. Darn well, it. And, and you're never saying, like, Karnak has the hero keyword, but he does not have the leader... But I call flesh hounds when we get there, so... Okay. You get flesh hounds, Dan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a bloodmaster. Yeah, and this is another bloodletter crazy model. All right. Picked up the priest keyword this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible. Five inch move, six wounds, four up save, ten bravery. Blade of Blood is two inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. Has decapitating blow if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a Blade of Blood is six. Causes two mortal wounds to the target and you're done. The blood must flow in the combat phase. When you pick this unit to fight for the first time in that phase, you can pick one friendly blood letter unit, wholly within 16 inches of this unit that has not yet fought in that phase. This unit and that unit can fight one after the other in the order of your choice, which is something we see all the time now. It's very standard, which is great. It's a really cool rule. Bloodmark is a prayer that has an answer value of three. Brenda, to your point, he is a priest now and has a range of 16. If answered, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster until the start of your next hero phase at one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly blades of corn demon units that target that unit. Hmm. I wouldn't use this on blood letters, I don't think. Would you? Plus one to wound, I don't know. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> well, you pick the All enemy attack. unit, and so everything right. that, that targets that enemy unit, is, it, it, yep. know, it doesn't matter if it's... Yep. That unit or yeah. not, yep. It's 16, okay. and it's not full. It's not wholly within, it's just 16. 16's a really good range. That's monster. Yeah, it's a huge bubble. Huge. Yeah. Back to you, Dave. All right, so the Skull Master. So the Blood Master, that's the Bloodloader Hero on foot. The Skull Master is the Bloodloader Hero riding a Juggernaut. Eight-inch move, seven wounds, three-up save, which is crazy for a demon. And uh, ten bravery. He has two weapons. He, have, he has his Blade of Blood. Two-inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, two damage. And the Juggernaut itself has brazen hooves. One-inch range, three attacks, threes and threes, no rend, one damage. Um, obviously, he's mounted. The Juggernaut's a mount. <laughs> he has decapitating blow. 
Same as all the blood letters. You're going to hear that rule a lot. Slaughter is charge. After this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit within three inches of that unit and roll a dice on a two-up. The enemy unit suffers three mortal wounds. Not bad. Just flat three. And then Herald of the Blood Thunder Stampede. Once per battle, at the start of the charge phase, you can say the Skullmaster will declare a Blood Thunder Stampede. If you do so until the end of that phase, you can reroll charge rolls for this unit and friendly Blood Crusher units wholly within 16 inches of that unit. Rerolling cool. charges for free is amazing for an army that wants to be in close combat. And if he's your general, he unlocks Blood Crushers as battle line. Blood Crushers are the, the mm -hmm. demons riding juggernauts. Our last demon hero, the Blood Throne. 8-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10, 10 wounds. The Blade of Blood, same as the last Blade of Blood you've heard on two different characters. The Hellblades, which are his attendants, 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s and 3s, run 1 damage 1. And the Gnashing Maw, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 4s and 3s, run 1 damage d3. You have Decapitating Blow. The difference here is that 6s to hit cause the damage equal to the damage characteristic, because obviously the Blade of Blood is damage 2, and the Hellblades are damage 1, so those will do each respectively. He has Gore Feast. Each time an enemy model is slain by an attack made by this unit, you can heal one wound allocated to this unit. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then he is a priest and a totem, and so his prayer is Blood Call. Answer value of 3 and a range of 16. Add 1 to the chanting roll if the chanter's within 3 inches of any enemy units. Cool. If answered, pick one friendly bloodletter host or one friendly blood crusher's unit wholly within range and visible to the chancer. If the unit's a bloodletter host, you can return D6 slain miles to that unit. If wow. it's a blood crusher unit, you can return one slain model to that unit. D6. Woof. Oh boy. That's the base prayer on this guy. He can pick one later. We'll talk about prayers later, but that's his base prayer. Base prayer. It's incredible. This unit got a huge blow up. You actually might see some Blood Thrones now. You didn't see Blood Thrones or Skull Cannons a lot before, but you'll definitely see them now. 160 points. Oh my gosh, that's nothing. It is time for some Mortal Heroes. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. And Corgus Cull is the first corn hero. We have five inch move, seven wounds, three up save, nine bravery. Have an axe of corn, one inch range, six attacks, three by threes, minus two, two damage. And the blood dark claws, one inch range, four attacks, three by fours, minus one, one damage. Axe's Bane. This unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within eight inches, whoa, of an enemy unit instead of three. And it can move an extra five inches when it piles in. Holy mutt. Okay, six inch piling on steroids already. It's an incredible rule. That's... I mean, it basically gives him run and charge. He only needs to be within eight inches, <laughs> then he can just pile it. It's like, yeah, almost auto. Collar of Corn. He can attempt to unbuy one spell in the enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard. Okay, I know that Karnak does this. He does it. Flesh Hounds that do it. Do you really need that with all... I just think it with all the blood tide stuff, it just makes it so much worse. Sometimes you want to the try prayer to do to anything through so you can try to get more blood tide points. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I mean, especially if you bumped up that it's ability true. to like a three plus. Yeah, go ahead, cast. Wow. It. I'll just deny it that way. Yeah. See what happens. Right. Watch out. <laughs> On the other hand, I love it because this is what corn is about. It's yeah. what it's supposed to be. So it should feel that way when it's played as well. All right. Reality splitting axe. Each time this unit fights, wounds caused by its dark blood claws must be allocated before wounds caused by its axe of corn. At the end of any phase, if any wounds caused by this axe were allocated to an enemy unit and that enemy unit has not been slain, roll a five. Jeez. Roll a dice on a five up. The model is slain. On a five up. Mm -hmm. yep. Do one wound. Actually, his axe does two. So you just need to hit somebody once. I'm in the 33% chance of that bottle just going away. Oof. See you later. Goodness, man. See you later, Star Drake. Yeah. Durthu. Goodbye. Nagash. Goodbye. Not Goodbye. Mega Gargants, though. Not Mega Gargants. No, no. And not Kragnos, right? Nope. 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 All right. Lord of the Gore Tide. 
If this unit is included in a Gortide army, once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that Kull will unleash the wrath of the Gortide. If you do so until the end of that phase, each time a friendly Gortide bloodbound unit is slain, you can make one additional murder roll. Okay. okay. Not unit model. So for every guy who dies, the, you're, you're rolling okay. twice. So Sucks. every model that's slain. Holy mutt. Right. So every oh. model that's slain, you roll two dice. Yeah, heroes are four. Five mortal wounds. Right. Ouch. Yeah, so if your opponent is lining up a turn in which they're planning on really killing you, this is when you declare it and... Whoop. All right. I might lose wow. a bunch of guys, but you're going to lose a bunch of He's well. only 160 points. Yeah. He's like the other one you were talking about. 160 points. He's good. I've always liked Corgus Cole, but you never saw him because the Mortal Corn units used to be not very good. Now that they're better, hopefully we actually see this guy on the tabletop. Just on his own, standing there. He's yep. crazy. All He's right. a cool character. Next up is the Realm Gore Ritualist. Five inch move, five up save, bravery eight, five wounds. Ritual dagger, one inch range, one attack, threes by threes, ren two, damage d6. They have desecrating blood runes. Once per battle at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one objective or terrain feature within three inches of this unit. Let's say it has been marked with the desecrating blood runes. If you do so until the end of the battle, add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly bloodbound mm. units. Well, they are wholly within eight inches of that objective or terrain feature. And then they have a Blood Hex as their prayer. Answer value of four, range of 16. If answered, pick one enemy unit within range invisible to the Chancer. Till the start of your next hero phase, subtract one from attacks, characters of that unit's melee weapons to a minimum of one. Pretty good fighting someone's big combat units, just slow them down a little bit. Is yeah. this new? This is the new model. Okay. Yep. So this yeah. is the new model for the book. This is yeah. also the first model we've talked about so far that has the new Gore Chosen keyword. That'll be relevant later. It'll be relevant later because there's so many mortal foot heroes in this book, they had to give them their own keyword. Yeah, Gore Chosen are the lesser right. mortal foot heroes. Yes. Still, that's really good. That whole thing of adding one to hit rolls if you're within a certain distance of a terrain feature. Yeah, I mean, that's good too. Might. I mean, there's certain games where you know you're going to be fighting over an objective or there's a really strategic terrain piece. You pick it and the whole game you're... Adding one. Yeah, this is, a, free command this is a unit that takes Tunnel Master really well. Mm. So you teleport them out top of one to that terrain feature or that or that piece of objective and mark it. Here's where the battle's taking place. Go ahead and kill me. Like I've already done what I need to do here. Right, Lord of Corn on Jug. All right. This is the, everyone's favorite, and by everyone I mean me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. This is the, the Jug Lord. Eight inch move, eight wounds, nine bravery, a casual, casual two up save. His Wrath Forged Axe, it's one inch range, six attacks, threes and threes, uh, minus one rend, two damage. And his Juggernaut has Brazen Hooves, one inch range, three attacks, threes to hit, threes to wound, no rend, one damage. So obviously his Juggernaut's his mount. He has a Brass Clad Shield. This unit has a ward of five up against mortal wounds caused by spells, mortal wounds caused by the abilities of endless spells. Mm -hmm. He has the Slaughterous Charge ability, it's going to sound very familiar. After this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers three mortal wounds. And then he has Lord of the Brass Stampede. Once per battle, at the start of the charge phase, you can say this unit will declare a Brass Stampede. If you do so, until the end of that phase, you can reroll charge rolls for this unit and friendly mighty Skull Crusher units wholly within 16 of this unit. I have personally seen this happen. You got a big glow up. His act used to be three it's, attacks, now it's six. He can actually kill stuff now. It's, I'm shocked. Very good. Now I have to be worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next is uh, Scar Bloodwrath. Five-inch move, six wounds, four-up save, nine bravery. Has one weapon profile, the Bloodstorm Blades. 
three inch range and then number of attacks is either five or equal to the number of enemy models within three okay whichever uh, is higher yep twos and threes minus one one damage slaughterborn at the end of the movement phase of this unit has been destroyed roll 2d6 on an eight up this unit can appear anywhere on the battlefield nine inches from all enemy units with no wounds allocated to it it's not powerful but it's annoying Murderous Paragon. If this unit is included in a Blades of Corn army, you can make one additional murder roll each time a model for a friendly Wrathmongers unit within eight inches of this unit is slain. Okay, I guess if you're going to go heavy on that, then. Yeah, this murder roll is always fun. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's kind of like the Lord of the, the Wrathmongers, so. Okay. Valkia the Bloody, 12 inch move, 3 up save, bravery 9, 6 wounds. She's got her spear, Slaupnir, 2 inch range, 5 attacks, 3s and 3s, rend 2, damage 2. The Red Angel of Slaughter. During deployment, instead of setting up on the battlefield, you can place it in reserves. At the end of your movement phase, you can set it up more than nine from all enemy units. Then pick one enemy unit within ten inches of this unit, roll a dice. On a one, nothing happens. On a two up, that enemy unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to that roll. She's got a ward of a five up. And the Gaze of corn. add three to the bravery characteristic of other friendly bloodbound units while they are wholly within 16 of this unit. However, friendly bloodbound units cannot retreat while they are wholly within 16 inches of this unit. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, she's, she's okay. better than she was. Yeah, and 140 points, it's fine. All right, how about the Mighty Lord of Corn, Dave? All right. Mighty Lord of Corn. this is the generic version of Corgus Call. Not to be confused by the picture, because it's exactly the same. It's <laughs> exactly the same model. They don't even bother to like try to make it even slightly different. Yeah, they don't like take off like the backpack or anything. It's, yep. it's well, the same model. But no that's great, no because nothing. if you build them, it could be either one. So Exactly. Yeah. There you go. All right. So yeah, just the Lord on foot, with accompanied by a dog. It's got a 5-inch move, 7 wounds, 3-up save, 9 bravery. He has 2 weapon profiles, Axe of Corn, 1-inch range, 5 attacks, 3s and 3s, minus 2, 2 damage. His flesh hound is Blood Dark Claws, 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s and 4s, minus 1, 1 damage. Collar of Corn that the... Fleshon was wearing, so that's the. Uh, he can unbind as if he were a wizard. And then bring me their skull. This is his ability. You can use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. This unit must issue the command. And the unit that receives the command must be a friendly gore chosen unit. The strike first applies to that gore chosen unit until the end of that phase. Hmm. So you can pick one mortal corn unit and give them strike first. So not okay. bad. Nice. It's 160 for Cole or 130 for the Mighty Lord of Corn. If you've got the 30 point spare, I think you're taking Corgus Call. Cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially. I mean, to, yes, the generic guy can take command abilities and other enhancements, but I think you know Corgus Call is still way better for 30 points. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Blood Secretor. Yeah, the banner guy, right? Yep. He's a five inch move, six wounds, three up save, eight bravery. He has an ensorcelled axe, which is one inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one. Two damage. Rage of Corn. Once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly unit on the battlefield, anywhere on the battlefield, with this ability to plant its icon of corn. If you do so, add one to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Blades of Corn units on the battlefield until the end of that phase. Oh, good. Yeah, that's really good. It removes oh. any advantage of taking multiple blood secretors. Yeah. Hey, once per battle plus one attack is army-wide. Not bad. This used to be an area of effect that would go on all the time. Mm-hmm. But you had to be next to it in order to get the ability, obviously. So, yeah, once per battle kind of stinks. But you're right, like, the whole battlefield is plus one attack. That makes up for it in a big way. Icon of the Blood God. If this unit issues a rally command to a friendly bloodbound unit with a wounds characteristic of three or less, you can return slain models on a four up instead of a six. Sweet. Slaughter priests. 
five inch move, five up save, bravery eight, six wounds. You gotta pick either the axe or the hackblade and hammer. The axe is two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage two. And the hackblade and hammer is two inch range, five attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage two. They can unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard. And their base prayer is blood boil. <laughs> yeah. Answer value four, range of 16. Pick an enemy <laughs> unit within range, d6 mortal wounds. A classic. Don't leave home without them. Really yeah. good. Still really, we're good before. Still really good. The Hackblade and Wrathhammer got a huge glow up. That was worthless before. Now it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. He's the uh, Skullgrinder. Five-inch move, six wounds, four up save with eight bravery. Has one weapon, his Brazen Anvil. Two-inch range, three attacks, threes and threes, minus one, flat three damage. He has Bone Crushing Strikes. Add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's Brazen Anvil for attacks that target an enemy monster. In mm. addition, if any wounds caused by an attack, maybe if this unit's Brazen Anvil are allocated to an enemy monster, the strike last effect applies to that enemy monster until the end of that phase. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. And then uh, Tempered with Fury. At the end of deployment, you can pick one other friendly Bloodbound hero within eight inches of this unit to have their weapon tempered. If you do so, pick one of that hero's melee weapons, improve the rend characteristic of that weapon by one until the end of the battle. The same unit cannot be picked to have their weapon tempered more than once in the same battle. That's a new ability. That's really cool. and kind of fits in with his theme of the armor of corn armies. Right, then we have Aspiring Deathbringer. Five inch moves, six wounds, three up save, seven bravery. Gorax and Skullhammer, one inch range, five attacks, threes and threes, minus one, two damage, and then favor through triumph. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this unit is a six and the target is a hero, that attack causes one mortal wound in addition to any other damage. He's fine. Yeah. And you have the Exalted Deathbringer, who, in the process of becoming Exalted, has forgotten how to wear armor. Five inch move, five up save, bravery eight, six wounds. You gotta pick between the Runus Axe and Skull Gouger and the Impaling Spear. So the Axe and Skull Gouger is 1 inch range, 4 attacks, 3s and 4s, Ren 1, damage 3. And the Spear is 2 inch range, 5 attacks, 3s and 3s, Ren 2, damage 2. Is a ward of a 5 up. That's mm-hmm. what you get for forgetting how to wear clothes. Skull Gouger, if you make a save roll of a 6, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds after all of its attacks have been resolved. Not bad. Yep. And then first of the gore chosen, you had one to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit while it's wholly within eight inches of another friendly bloodbound unit that is a general. Then you've got the Bloodstoker next, Dave. Yes. Everyone's favorite Whippy boy. Yeah. Five inch move, five wounds, four up save, eight bravery. He has two weapons here. He has his torture blade. One inch range, three attacks, threes and threes, minus one, two damage. And he has his blood whip. Three inch range, three attacks, threes and threes, no rend, one damage. And this is why you take this guy as this next rule. The, the combat. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. the combat. Yeah, yeah. That's why you take him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely yeah, absolutely. You don't need to read his ability. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a throwaway thing. I'll read it just because we're complete as Right, right. Because we know that he's right. punchy. Okay. So whip to fury. At the start of your movement phase, you can pick up to D3 other friendly bloodbound units within three inches of this unit and roll a dice for each of those units. Regardless of the roll, that unit can run and still charge later in the turn. But on a roll of one, it also suffers one mortal wound. Casually, pick D3, other mortal corn units, and they can run and charge. Yeah, so be- you murdered West, then you pick up run and charge. Yep. And then you run, and then you charge. Yep. Gross. He's really good. Okay. Don't bring him the next time we play, okay? Really. Seriously. <laughs> if I see him, I will accidentally drop him on the floor and step on him. I'm just saying. I have like four of those starter boxes, so I'm sure I have, I have a couple it. of those kicking you around get some somewhere. spares. Okay. <laughs> Just one or two. All right. So our last year, Dan, Sila and Fingrim. Sila and the Yeah, okay. Yeah, that one. Yeah, the giant gorilla kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
crazy. Mark Ramchak, this is his favorite model. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Eight inch move, eight wounds, five up save, nine bravery, has brutal fists, two inch range, eight attacks, fours and threes, minus one, one damage, and then the serpentine tail, three inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, minus one, D3 damage. The brass collar of corn, I can't imagine what that does, other than unbind one spell, like a wizard would do or attempt to unbind one spell. And then we have Bestial Leap. This unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it was within how many inches? Eight Anybody want to take a guess? Eight inches, yeah. <laughs> of an enemy unit instead of three, and it can move an extra five when it piles in. So those are all your heroes. Cool. I think what's really interesting about them is they're dirt cheap. Aspiring Deathbringer, 80 points. Bloodmaster, 110. Bloodsecrator, 110. Bloodstoker, 90. Exalted Deathbringer, 90. Bloodthrone, 160. Corgos Cole, 160. The Corn Lord on Juggernaut, a whopping 170 points. You're really paying for that two up. Yep. The Mighty Lord of Corn, 130. Ritualist, 100. Sila, 110. Scar, 100. Skullmaster, 130. Skulltaker, 140. Slaughter Priest, 110. Valkyrie, 140. That's just, you know, 330 for the you dirt. Know, Cheap. For the Bloodthirst and 380 for Scarbrand, like, that's all well and good, right? Like, those things you're paying for yeah. them, but oh my goodness, you can litter your army with all these little tiny heroes that just punch around and do all sorts of stuff. And, and we'll get to the units in a little bit. There's not a War Scroll on here above 200 points. Yeah. Unless you're a Bloodthirster. Unless you're a Bloodthirster. You can pack so many models into this army. Yeah. If you choose, yes, you can. All right, so let's go talk enhancements. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. All right, stuck with command traits, yeah? Four for demons, four for bloodbound. Now, anybody want to start with their favorite? For demons, you have a, a couple of interesting ones here. Unrelenting Hunter, I really like. Yes. Yep. Uh, at the end of the combat phase, if this general is fought in that phase and is within three inches of any enemy units, you can make a pylon move. Alternatively, if you are not within three inches and you fought, you can attempt to make a charge move. Or a normal move. Wow. Really good. I mean, again, you want to be in combat, this ability will keep you in combat. Yep, very good. I like Embodiment of Wrath, especially if you're running the Blood Throne as your general. Mm. Start of your hero phase, roll dice for each friendly Blood Litter host. Hold it within 16 inches of the general. On a two-up, you can return D3 slain models to the unit. To that, mm. plus it's prayer, you just... You just keep going. Just keep buffing those units up. Some real death nonsense. Yep. Wow. Because blood letters are two wounds apiece, so... Yeah. Getting D6 or D3 back is a big deal. Or D6 plus D3. Sure, or that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that, right? The same unit, D6 yeah. plus D3 plus rally. Yeah. Uh, yep. Hello. Did you do any damage to them? Oh, that's right. You did, yeah. You did negative three models. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like playing my death armies. Exactly. Did I do anything? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, how about Blades of Corn Bloodbound General? Oh, someone's got to pick one because I don't like any. Okay, of these. Uh, Lord of the Gore Chosen is what I picked. I yeah. Add one to the attack characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Gore Chosen units while they're wholly within 16 inches of this general. Yeah, sure. I mean, remember Gore Chosen is just those, and I forgot this. Yeah. <laughs> but Gore Chosen is just those heroes, so mm-hmm. I think that's useful if you're running a very specific army, we'll, we'll, yes. which we can talk about, especially when we talk about the battalions. But unless you're running that one specific army. So, very situational. Yeah. And again, I kind of like the one if you're, for some reason, your general's a priest. He can chant two prayers instead of one. Mm-hmm. A lot of really good prayers. So, being, being able to chant two is not bad. Okay. But all right. Otherwise, this is the weakest of all the enhancements. Is that section right there. Moving on. So, we're now to demonic artifacts. Yeah, these are good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take Argath, the King of Blades. <laughs> War rolls cannot be made for enemy units while they're within three inches of the bearer. Gross. Yep. Uh, 
if it weren't for that one, Brendan, I would probably go Halo of Blood. That's the one I would take yep. first. Right. But on the Bloodthirster that picks another Bloodthirster to go with them. So tell them what this one does. All right, Halo of Blood. The strike first effect applies to the bearer. Yeah, so Bloodthirster striking first. Yeah, so you get your Bloodthirster striking first. You make it the one that gets to pick a Bloodthirster next. Yep. So you're effectively fighting with two Bloodthirsters in the strike first step. Then you get to pick a some other unit as your first activation in your turn. Yeah. So you're basically um, activating, I mean, potentially three Bloodthirsters or yeah. two Bloodthirsters and another, and another unit. unit. Oh. So this doesn't have like the caveat that you would expect it to, which is like off the charge or in your turn. This is just the bearer has the strike first ability. So just as, as long as this unit is in combat, mm. you're going to be able to fight with two units first or, mm-hmm. you know, if they have strike first and they'll fight with something, then you fight with two units and then right that sure. sequence goes. That's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. I think the demonic adornments all really, really good. Those all four are mm-hmm. pretty strong. Yeah. So. Cool. Thankfully, you can't go one drop if you have more than one Bloodthirster, so that controls this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you could be a two drop. Oh, yeah. All right. How about the Bloodbound stuff? I'll take the Banner of Blood. You can reroll charge rolls for friendly Blades of Core units wholly within 16 inches of the bearer, mm-hmm. an ability that Banner really used to have, but yeah. it's quite good. Saves you on a lot of command points. Plus, that's a hero that benefits well from Tunnel Master. You can give that to them, put them where you need them to be. The army comes up to it and then rolls past it. Right. Yeah. Especially since, like, you're running charges, you murder lust, all that stuff, you're going, you're going to want to be putting on. Other units that will quickly outpace yes. your Bloods of Creator, so you're right. You Tunnel Master up, and then everyone else catches up to him, and then yep. you, you got all those bonuses. And you're just layering on, because he's already got a couple of good things he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yep. just value added for him. Yep. I mean, Crimson Plate isn't bad to give somebody a five-up ward. That's fine. Yeah. You know? Yep. I always take Gore Cleaver. Yeah. Um, so that's just on a six. You do a Mortal Wound in addition. On a 6 to hit, you do a Mortal Wound in addition. And then uh, you improve the Ren Cares for that weapon also by 1. So Didn't you put that on your Juglord? I did. So yeah. a Juglord with 6 attacks, you know, minus 2 Ren, plus 6 to hit, do a Mortal Wound in addition. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So that seems fine. There's a lot of models in this book, obviously, with a lot of attacks. So those kind of artifacts really benefit those high attack models. Okay. These prayers are good. Prayers are really good. Yeah. yeah. So what are your two favorite prayers, Dan? Okay. I like Witchbane Curse. Okay. Yep. Uh, is a prayer that has an answer value of four. If answered, pick one enemy wizard unit visible to the caster anywhere as long as they're visible. Until the start of your next hero phase, subtract one from casting rules made for that unit. In addition, until the start of your next hero phase, each time that unit attempts to cast a spell and that spell is not su- <laughs> God, I hate this. Is not successfully cast, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay, poof. You used this, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, the other night. I thought that- This one's really good. I like it's Ooh. basically unlimited range. It's just yeah. line of sight, and AOS is not 40k, so line of sight is much more open in AOS. Yep. So you put your priest in the right place, probably sing the whole battlefield, especially if your priest, you, know, you make like a bloodthirster a priest, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he, he's definitely seeing the whole battlefield. So he's Okay. The other one I yeah. like, you, my <laughs> second choice is Bloodbind. Bloodbind's a prayer that has an answer value of three, range of 16. If answer, pick one enemy unit within range, visible to the caster, and more than three inches from all friendly units. Your opponent must make a move of up to eight inches with that unit. All the models in that unit must finish the move as close as possible to the channer. You can finish that move within three inches of units in your army. I'm just thinking of somebody you you want to get, as you both said, you want to get into combat, force somebody into combat with that. Some big guy that should be standing, or somebody that's standing behind a screen, just pull him in. Well, yeah. You pull like, the screen out of place. Yeah, or you can pull the screen out of place, yep. You force the screen into a combat they don't want to be in, they get wiped out early, and then they're not doing anything. I really like that one. That's my second choice. Pull the screen out of place. 
yep. mud boil them. Now you're yep. open. Yep. Then you killer Ooh. instinct. Yeah. Prayer of answer value three, range of 16. Pick one friendly blades of cord unit wholly within range and more than three inches from all enemy units. That unit can make a normal move. Then you murder blast. Uh, like, yeah, man. there's so many ways to move in this. Right, because you, you killer instinct, you get your normal move. And there's no range on murder lust, so it's just anything. You just pick units on the battlefield, so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how far away they are. They can just mm-hmm. keep moving. I'm a big advocate for Bloodbind and then Killer Instinct. I think that is a mm. killer combination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any that you like besides those three? I always say Bronze Flash. That's just, It's a pretty mm-hmm. simple one. It's a 16-inch range. It's a 3-up answer value. This is plus one to your save. Okay. Ooh. That, that's oh darn. You know, and then like, it saves you the command points. You don't have to all out defense a unit, or you can't all out defense a unit and just make it. Yeah, a, it's on a, a two three. plus save, just basically unkillable, which is yep. always a good time. Nice. And again, this is another section where none of the choices are bad. Yeah, because like you can take something like blood sacrifice, and do your D three mortal wounds and get one blood tithe points turn one, going first. That gets you your murder lust in that first turn to be able to do whatever it is that you need to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, gents. I think that's it for enhancements. Let's go over to talk about the sub-factions, mm-hmm. the slaughter hosts. Dave, what's your pick on these? Do you have a favorite? Uh, so there's six slaughter hosts total, three for the mortals, mm-hmm. three for the demons. Man, I'm going to go the one I played against you, Dan, and that's Skullfiend Tribe. This is a core mortal tribe. It you it only affects uh, mortal units. I guess you could pick it for a demon faction. It's not going to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. But if you make an unmodified charge roll of 8+, plus for a friendly Skull Fiend Tribe Bloodbound unit, the strike first effect applies to that unit until the end of the turn. That was just so nasty. So if, if I had a couple of good turns there where I spiked this, but I might have had like three-quarters of my army striking first before you could even react. Yeah. Unless I understand there's going to be some games where I don't roll any 8-plus charges. But, but when it, when this works, it's going to be a bad time for your opponent. Brenda, do you have a favorite? We'll talk about them all, but... I'll start with Bloodlords. When you use the decapitating blow for a Bloodlords Bloodletter unit, uh, it's just keyworded Bloodletter, and a lot of things are keyworded Bloodletter. Mortal wounds are caused on unmodified roll of a 5-up instead of a 6 if they made a charge move in the same turn. So, oh, yeah. like That's foot Bloodletters. That's the Bloodletters on Jugs. It's That's all the, the heroes, all the heroes, right, including Skull Taker. Yep. It's the Blood Throne. It's the catapult, or not the catapult, the Skull Cannon. Yep. Like if it's a Blood Letter, it's going to be doing mortal wounds on fives. Mm. Yeah, and they have a ton of attacks, and you can give them more. <laughs> Sorry, the Skull Cannon doesn't have the Blood Letter keyword, right. despite having Blood Letters on it. it That's really good. That's really mortals good. On fives. Yeah. Yep. So one hundred percent increase in output. Which one do you want to talk about next, Dave? Once you pick another one that you... I'll pick another demon one. Again, shout out to Mark Ramchak, because I imagine this is the one he's going to be playing all the time. Baleful Lords. While a friendly Baleful Lord Bloodthirster, other than Scarbrand, holding within eight inches of any other friendly Baleful Lord Bloodthirsters, other than Scarbrand, use the top row of its damage table, regardless of how many wounds it has suffered. Okay, I always want Bloodthirsters fighting on the top row. This is your sub-faction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah such a bummer that there's no battle line Bloodthirsters. No, oh, that, that's a heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. That's very that, terrible. That's Next General's Handbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Now, the other Bloodthirsters aren't uh, single or unique, so you know they can be reinforced, technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Okay. That's, That's how this works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take Slaughterhosts. I like that. Okay. Add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Reapers of Vengeance demon units to target an enemy hero. In addition, each time an enemy hero is slain, you receive one additional blood type point. Okay. Cool. Depending on what kind of an army you're playing, that could be very useful. Yep. But again, it's situational, I think. 
Pirates. Uh, Brendan, how about your next? Corgos Culls, boys, the Gortide. Tireless Conquerors add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Gortide Bloodbond units that target an enemy unit that is contesting an objective you do not control, or that target an enemy unit wholly within enemy territory. Oh, so basically most of the game. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's plus one to wound, which is normally really hard to get. So anytime you get plus one to wound, that's a huge bonus. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the last one, the flayed. Friendly, the flayed bloodbound units have a ward of a five up if they have been picked to fight in the same phase. So once you attack, you've got a five up ward for the rest of the combat phase. Okay. Not bad. Nope. All right. Units. Okay. Demon units, mortal units. We're going to do endless spells and then faction train. Uh, then strats, tax, and a battalion. Let's start with flesh hounds. Awesome, cool. The corn version of soul blight wolves, dire wolves, very cool. Eight inch move, two wounds, five up save, ten bravery. They have a burning roar, which is an eight inch attack. It's a missile weapon. One attack, two by fours, minus one, one damage. And then their claws, one inch range, four attacks, three by fours, minus one, one damage. One in every five can be a Hound and you add one to attack characteristics. Very cool. This unit can attempt... Oh, I'm shocked. Collars of Corn. This <laughs> unit can attempt to unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase the same manner as a wizard. And then also you can add two to charge rolls for this unit. But I was just thinking, you know, you have what they come in units of five. They're pretty yep. cheap. You have two or three of these units just running out around the board dispelling stuff. In addition to all the other stuff you have to just totally nerf somebody's spell casting it'd be kind of fun you yeah know? they're a great screen they're really good sacrifice for blood tithe at 100 points right that's not a bad battle line tax sure you know, right and one, it is 10 wounds yeah one shooting attack per five models is whatever yeah um, but 20 combat attacks for 100 points is decent yeah threes and yeah. fours no rend damage one there are worse things mm-hmm. it's a great unit to summon too because yeah when you summon you're nine inches away but you're adding two to your charge mm-hmm. so you're Need a seven. Yeah, seven, much easier. Pin right it in place. Yeah, if you pull them in with Karnak, too. Yep. Oh, you can yeah. set them up even closer. Yep. Yeah, a lot of really cool uses for this unit. So, all right. Bloodletters. All right. Woof. The core of any demon armory probably is uh, going to be your bloodletters. So, five-inch move. Two wounds now. 100% increase. Oh. Five-up save and a ten bravery. Uh, they have one weapon and one weapon only. That's the Hellblade. Two-inch range. Two attacks. Threes and threes. Minus one. One damage. So yes, a melee army is finally hitting on threes. They have a champion. One model on this unit can be a Blood Reaper. Add one to the tax characteristics that models melee weapons. Musician, one in every ten, can be a Hornblower. Add one to charge rolls for this unit while it includes any Hornblowers. And the standard bear, standard demon banner, uh, one in every ten, can be an Icon Bear. Unmodified Battleshock roll of one is made for this unit while it includes any Icon Bears. You can return one slain model to this unit and no models in, in this unit flee in that phase. Great. And decapitating blow, uh, we've talked about it a dozen times, but that's uh, roll six to hit. It's one mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. So, but you can pretty easily right. make that a five up. Easily yeah. make it a five up. And again, a unit with ten of them's twenty-one attacks. You're going to roll a bunch of sixes, <laughs> so you, especially when it's at two-inch range. So you're fighting in two ranks with this unit. In there. They are on thirty-twos, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, with two wounds. Okay, cool. One hundred eighty points. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, blood crushers. Five wounds, eight-inch move, three-up save, bravery ten. Hellblade, same as the Blood Letters, Brazen Hooves, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3 by 3s, no run damage 1. Champion adds 1 to the Hellblade attacks. Musician, plus 1 to charge. Standard Bearer, same as what we just talked about with the Blood Letters. Decapitating Blow, same. Murderous Charge, after this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit, roll a dice for each model in this unit. 
That's within three inches of that enemy unit. Mm -hmm. For each two through four, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. For each five up, that enemy unit suffers two mortal wounds. Really good. Yes, it is, isn't it? Not bad for a demon. The three up save. Yep. Skull cannon. Yeah, who wants a skull cannon? Go ahead, Brendan. You love these things. (laughs) Sure. Eight-inch move, four-up save, bravery 10, eight wounds. They've got uh, the only meaningful ranged attack in the army. 18-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, ren two, damage D3. Hellblades, four attacks, threes and threes, ren one, damage one. And the Gnashing Maw, one-inch range, one attack, fours and threes, ren one, damage D3. They have decapitating blow, but don't have the bloodletter keyword for some reason. And then you have grind their bones, seize their skulls. In the combat phase, after this unit has fought for the first time in that phase, if any enemy models were slain by units' attacks in that phase, this unit can immediately shoot. Okay. Gross. <laughs> and they get to make their shooting attack, which is four attacks, threes and threes, ren two, damage D3. That's so good. That's so good. And they're 140 points. And that's artillery, a slot that normally never gets used, so you get plenty of room for them. But you could conceivably take four. You're sitting there at 16 attacks, threes and threes, ren two damage, D3, and you're just gonna, you know, just spend all battle just chucking shots downfield, <laughs> closing the distance, getting in combat, and shooting again. <laughs> Yeah. We made fun of, right, all the people that went out and bought a zillion skull cannons last time because... Yes, remember the, that, yeah. You know, what the Wrathmongers said that they did was yep. not what they did at all, which made sense. The original wording with Wrathmongers, for those that weren't around, was that it was plus one to attacks characteristics or corn units, period. Yeah. And so they were like... D6 damage or something silly like that and there was like a battalion that let you do more stuff. It was dumb. You could shoot twice I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, something and, like that. And you looked at it and you were just like, that's clearly And like the, the day after we published were. it, the fact came out. It was right. like, yep. And there were people up in arms. But in any case, like this is actually useful where you can push these models upfield, shooting the whole way and, you know, at eight wounds a piece, you're going to get into combat. You want to get into combat with things that are one wound. You know, you're hoping to trigger, you know, like a Hellblade or something to, to just kill a skeleton a zombie and then you just get to shoot again (laughs) sounds good to me yep yep and at 140 points like it really doesn't matter if you lose them like that's not a huge yeah easy for that unit to make its points back cool blood time right yeah Mm -hmm. kill the screen you got 110 points you were 140 you got a blood tithe in exchange that works for me yeah, they're fantastic screen busters, right? You move them up, you got your four shots, you go in, eat, eat a couple, shoot again. If you somehow manage to clear the screen, you get to shoot something else. Right. Like not just something within three inches. Mm-hmm. Maybe within 18 at that point. Yeah, yeah. gross. Sign me up. Yeah, it's terrible. All right, what's next? Blood Warriors? Blood yes. Reavers. Blood, blood Reavers, then Blood Warriors. Dave, you want to do Blood Reavers? Sure. These are your... Super basic corn guys, six inch move, one wound, six up save, five bravery. They have two weapon options, and they'll have to choose the same option. You can either take Reaver Blades, which is one inch range, two attacks, threes and fours, no rend, one damage, or Meat Ripper Axes, that's one inch range, two attacks, fours and fours, minus one rend, one damage. Mm -hmm. One's a champion, he gets plus one attack, one's a standard bear, they have plus one to the bravery, a musician, one in every ten can be a hornblower, and one to charge rolls. And their special ability is Frenzy Devotion, Add one to rune walls made for attacks, made with melee weapons by this unit, while it's wholly within 16 inches of any friendly corn totems. So it'd be threes and threes, yeah. Right. Yep. 80 points. 80 points. Mm-hmm. Super cheap. You're basically playing 80 points or Blood Tithe. Yep. Mm-hmm. These are a screen. If they take anything with them... Bonus. Bonus. 
Blood Warriors is next. Five inch move, two wounds, three up save, six bravery. They have options. They can take a gore axe and gore fist, or they can take a pair of gore axes. The gore axe and fist, one inch range, two attacks, three by fours, minus one, one damage. The paired gore axes is one inch range, three attacks, three by fours, minus one, one damage. The gore glaive, which- One in 10. One in 10, can take that, is one inch range, two attacks, threes and threes, minus two, two damage. Champion gets plus one attack. Standard bearer adds one to bravery. No respite is their first rule. If this unit is included in a Blades of Corn army, each time a model in this unit is slain, you can make two murder rolls instead of one. Sweet. All right, all good. And then Gore Fists. If the unmodified save roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets a unit armed with Gore Axes and Gore Fists is a six, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been Resolved. This is the corn equivalent of the Slaves of Darkness warriors. Yep. You know, so they have the same wound characteristics and saves now, and the, all their weapons have ran, which is incredible. Next up, we got Wrathmongers, the Scourge of AOS 1. Five inch move, five up save, <laughs> bravery eight, three wounds. They have their Wrath Flails, which are ranged two inches, four attacks, threes and threes, run one, damage one. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristics. They're a five model units. The Crimson Haze add one to the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Blades of Corn units while they are wholly within eight inches. This ability has no effect on Wrathmongers. And then Blood Fury, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets this unit is a one, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been resolved. Cool. Dave. Why would I talk about Mighty Skull Crushers? You're right, I'll take them. I'm not sure yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, so Mighty Skull Crushers, 8-inch move, 5 wounds. All sounds very familiar. Only a 6 bravery, but an incredible base 2-up save. Just, yep, they just walk around with a 2-up so armor save. Good. One of only a handful of units <laughs> right. that has a base 2-up save in the entire game. All right, so they have two different weapon options. Every model in the unit must choose the same option. You can either take in Sorcerer Laxes, that's 1-inch range, with 4 attacks... Threes and threes, minus one, one damage. So yes, their base weapon finally has rend. And it's also four attacks. Remember when it used to be two? Mm-hmm. Ah, the good old days. Ah, the good old days. There's also the Blood Glaive, which is a two-inch range, which makes sense because it's a giant spear. Also four attacks. This is fours and threes with minus two rend and one damage. And the Juggernauts have the same brazen hooves as all the other Juggernauts. One model in the unit can be a champion. That's just plus one attack to either their glaives or axes. One in every three can be a standard bearer. That's plus one bravery. And musician, one in every three can be a musician. And you add plus one to run and charge rolls for this unit uh, while it has one. So they have black brass clad shields. This unit has a war save of five up against mortal wounds caused by spells and mortal wounds caused by abilities of endless spells. Remember that's on top of Hatred of Sorcery? Yep. yep. So Hatred of Sorcery can negate it, and if anything actually gets through, then they get a five of ward against it. And then Murderous Charge. After this unit makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in this unit that is within three inches of that enemy unit. For each two to four, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. For each five plus, that enemy unit suffers two mortal wounds. So that's a huge change from where the charges used to work. Yes. Um, the damage used to be dependent upon the number of models in the unit, had. which was super annoying because everyone would just target the big unit and kill mm-hmm. a model, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden D three mortal wounds down to of, one. Yeah. And then also the big difference is now it's within three inches instead of one, which means like before, if you had a single line of these guys, you'd only get like that first row in. Now with three inches, with just the bare minimum yep. of adjustment. You can easily get the whole unit doing... Tokyo Drift the front rank, put the other three behind them. Yep. Now you're in business. It's, it's, or you could run a unit of nine, you know, like... <laughs> it's a casual nine. <laughs> so this will only affect one unit, but that's fine. It's still an amazing ability. So this this unit's really, really good. Yeah. Way more normal attacks. The normal attacks got way better. 
armor save got better. And again, just like, like we just talked about, well, that charge move is just outstanding. Yep. 200 points. 200 points for three. That's insane. 15 wounds with two up save. Mm-hmm. Yep. And wow. a five up against morals caused by spells. <laughs> uh, skull Reapers? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Five inch move, three wounds. Three wounds. Four up save, eight bravery. Has a demon forge weapons, two inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, minus one, one. And then Vicious Mutation, one inch range, one attack, threes and threes, minus two, D3. Damage, the Skull Seeker is the champion. He is armed with Vicious Mutation, in addition to the Demon Forge weapons. Standard Barrier, one to the Bravery. And then we have Demon Forge weapons. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the unit's Demon Forge weapon is a six, attack causes one mortal wound in addition to any other damage inflicted, and then reap a deadly toll at one to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit if the target has five or more models. I have a very difficult time at 190 points for mm. five, understanding mm. what their role in the army is. Mm. Right? <laughs> they are 15 wounds with a four-up save, accumulative to it. You know, it's 20 attacks, sixes to hit or a mortal wound in addition, threes and threes at rend one, damage one. Like, that's fine. Or you could take Wrathmongers yep. for 140 points to do basically exactly the same thing and buff your army. Mm-hmm. I like yes the you know wrathmongers are one save worse but the difference between a five up and a four up in a game that is trying to be rend rich because you know all defense and mystic shield and finest hour occur that's basically nothing but when you've got that buff that you're talking about from the wrathmongers to add one mm-hmm. to attack characteristics that's really good I, yeah i'm with you brandon the reap a deadly toll rule would imply that they're meant to kind of clear out hordes like, hordes but like you're right there's a dozen better units in this book that can do the same thing so you take blood letters and do that yeah or skull crushers or the skull cannon we spent 20 minutes talking about yeah anything like right. well now and the wrath mongers can affect demons as well right mm-hmm. so they can affect blood letters and give them another attack yep yep yeah i mean yeah, that's blood a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah but, our bloodthirsters, yeah. right? Sure. I'm not saying they're useless. I'm saying I have a very difficult time understanding the role that they serve. Yes, mm. they pick up being battle line in a Skullfiend tribe army. So cool, like you can pick up strikes first with that. But I don't know, blood warriors. Right. Yeah, I'd just rather pick one of the units that's always battle line and get the same bonus. Yeah. It's a cool looking unit. I own some, mm. of course, but like, you're right. It's just it's hard to find a role. Okay. All right. Claws of Karanak. So Warcry Warband. So we have cultists here. These yes, are cultists. Yeah. Six-inch move, five-up save, bravery five, one wound apiece. They have the weapons of the hunt, two-inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, rend one, damage one. Gouge claws, one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage one. Pack lord adds two to the weapons of the hunt. They are effectively your unit champion. You brutalizers are two in every eight. They add one to their attacks characteristics of the weapons of the hunt. One in every eight is a Hounds of Wrath. They have one to the wounds characteristic, and they use the Gouge Claws. They have Scent of Blood after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, this unit can make a normal move. Mm. And of Pack Hunters, you add one to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit, while they're wholly within eight inches of any Flesh Hound units. <laughs> it's not bad. It's a cool roll. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. They're 100 points. They make for a really good screen, right? You know, it's just like the Untamed Beast that everyone used, myself included, to great effect, where you just bump them out, and you prevent them from getting in front of you basically you can put an additional six inches between you and the rest of your army so nothing bad there nope last war scroll the old corgi all right good old corgis oh yeah good friend the corgrath still desperately crying out for another model but it's all right we still like you corgrath your six inch move it's eight wounds with a four up save and six bravery has a missile weapon has bone tentacles six inch range 
Three attacks, threes and fours, no rend, one damage. Melee weapons are claws and fangs. Uh, one inch range, five attacks, threes and threes, minus one, two damage. Horrific predators, enemy units cannot receive the inspiring presence command while they're in three inches of any friendly units. This ability has taker of heads. Each time an enemy model is slain by an attack by this unit, you can heal one wound allocated to this unit. And then violent monstrosity. If this unit is including a blades of corn army, when this unit is destroyed, you make five murder rolls instead of one. <laughs> really good. That's pretty good. It explodes. Yeah. It's 110 points. I really like this unit. They had a hard time finding a home in previous editions. They don't do like a ton, but for 110 points, they're very tough to pass up. Yep. And this is a unit better at clearing screens than Skull Reapers. I mean, they're just like little car bombs, you know? You just send them out and right. let them die and blow up and yeah, sure, I'll take five mortal rolls. That's really good. You know, really good. Really it's, good. It's bloodbound, so it benefits from any of the bloodbound bonuses that you would get. Right? Like, so if you're playing a flayed army and it fights, it's a four up, five up. It, it's eight wounds. It heals when it kills stuff. That's great. Shutting off Inspiring Presence to me is a really underrated ability. Anytime I see that, I'm excited. Because mm -hmm. that's a huge thing, just because you charge in and you're right. You talk about, like, you want to clear out screens. Well, if that screen somehow survives your attacks, all right, now it has to make that leadership check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you pair that with, we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, Bleeding Icon, where you lock down the ability to use Inspiring Presence. Stuff flees. Cool. Yep. And you got to do a fair amount of wounds, even if you've got, like, one rend. you still got to do a fair amount of wounds to kill one of these things. The four-up save. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't table. It's not a monster. It, mm -hmm. it just does stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Invocations. Who wants to pick what? I'll take the Bleeding Icon. All right. This invocation is summoned with a prayer that has an answer value of three, a range of eight inches. If answered, set up this invocation wholly within range, visible with Channer, and more than one inch from all models, other invocations of endless or endless spells, only the Blades of Corn Priest can attempt to summon this invocation. Drifting Menace. After the invocation is set up and at the start of each of their hero phases, the commanding player can move this invocation as if it were a model with a move characteristic of six and it can fly. Move uh, characteristics of eight. Move characteristic of eight. And they can fly. The yep, of course, yes. <laughs> and, and we're recording on the 8th of April. How about that, huh? <laughs> we didn't plan that or anything. All right. Then we have Sigil of Doom. Units cannot receive the Inspiring Presence command while, speaking of which, we yep. just talked about mm -hmm. that, while they're within eight inches of this invocation. In addition, if a unit fails a Battleshock test while within how many inches? Eight of any bleeding icons roll a dice on a one through five at D three to the oh wow to the number of models that flee on a six at D six to the number of models that flee and then this invocation is removed from play. This unit has no effect on corn units. I like that. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. That, How many points? Oh, I guess we'll talk about the points in a second. Yeah, we'll dig them up. Forty. Wow. You got an extra forty points. Cool. You just boom. Shut off your opponents. Dave, which invocation do you want? Let me go Skulls. I like the Hex Squadron. You love Skulls, yeah. So, right. Parts. This invocation has two parts. Summoning. Invocation is a summon with a prayer. There's an answer value of three and a range of eight, of course. If answered, set up the parts of the invocation wholly within range, invisible to the chanter, within eight inches of each other, and more than one inch from all models, other invocations, and endless spells. Only Blades of Corn Priest can attempt to summon this invocation. All right. After this invocation is set up and the start of each of your hero phases, the commanding player can move the parts of this, this invocation as if they were models with a move characteristic of eight, and that can fly. After the parts have been moved, they must still be within eight inches of each other. So it's just eight inches. It's not wholly within eight, yep. which, is, which is super useful. So, all right. So the part that matters, Hex Gorgers, what this thing actually does. Subtract two from casting rolls for any wizards that are within <laughs> eight inches of any any hex gorger skulls. In addition, if the wizard within eight inches of this invocation attempts to cast a spell and the unmodified casting roll is eight, and that casting attempt is not successful, that wizard no longer knows that spell. <laughs> 
Each wizard within eight inches of this invocation suffers D6 mortal wounds, and then this invocation is removed from play. That's just brutal. Gross. <laughs> so, and it's, it's a huge bubble because it's the two pieces, so it's within eight inches of either Yuck. skull. I mean, so you, you do the math right, you're covering a huge portion of the battlefield. And if you're playing uh, somebody who doesn't have priests, this thing can just do what it wants when it wants. You can't get rid of it. It gets rid of itself. And that's still pretty good for 50 points. Yeah. yeah. For 70 points, you can get the Wrath Axe, though. Yeah. Ooh. Answer value of four, range of eight. Set it up wholly within range of the caster, more than eight from everything else. Only Blades of Corn Priest can attempt to summon. Flung with Fury moves after you set it up, and at the start of each of their hero phases, the commanding player can move this invocation as if it were model with fly. Moves eight inches. And it has Hatred's Edge. After this invocation is moved, roll a dice for each unit that has any models it passed across. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Then the commanding player can pick one unit within three inches of invocation, roll a dice. On a one, nothing happens. On a two through five, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. On a six, that unit suffers D6 mortal wounds, and it's removed from play. It's not an endless spell, right? So you're not pinging it around every single hero phase, but, I mean, it's not bad. You can still double up, too, which I like. You can cross over somebody doing the mortal wounds, and if you land next to it, you can pick that unit to also take mortal wounds. So mm-hmm. that's it's pretty good. Skull Alter, Dave. All right, this is the faction train. Blades of Corn, it costs zero points, of course. So setups after territories are determined. You can set up this faction train feature wholly within your territory. The more than three inches from all objectives and other train features. If both players can set up faction train features at the same time, they must roll off. The winner mm-hmm. chooses to set up their faction terrain features first, so barely standard there. It's defensible, of course. Garrisoned by a hero with a wounds characteristics of 8 inches or less. Alright, so invoke judgment. While well, Blades of Corn Priest garrisons this terrain feature double the range of any mm-hmm. creature's chance to summon invocations. So all those invocations we just said that were an 8-inch setup, mm-mm, it's 16. So, yeah, you really you know, throw those skulls out there, get it in your opponent's deployment zone, you know, top yeah. of turn 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 16, moves, moves after eight. setup, moves again. Yeah. I mean, wow. you're setting it up 32 inches away, which is in your opponent's face. Yeah. Yeah. Run away, wizards. <laughs> Run away. But that's not all. It also has witch. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> this witchbane. While any terrain features with this senior role on the battlefield, if a spell is miscast, the caster suffers D6 mortal wounds instead of D3. So there's no range to this. It's just while it's on the battlefield, you don't want to miscast. You're probably going to lose that wizard. And the last one, words of hate. You can reroll chanting rolls for friendly Blades of Corn Priests while they are wholly within 8 inches of this terrain feature. So again, like, that's really good. And again, it's not just the guy inside, it's anyone wholly within 8 inches. And there's a lot of priests in this army, so... Just a few. Alright. Battle, tactics, grand strategies, and core battalions. This is so exciting. It's exciting. I think the grand strategies are ridiculous. Yeah, no, no, these are... (laughs) Two of these are a complete waste of time. One of these, I think, is fine. And then the one which is the four battle tactics. Now, the four battle tactics are very achievable. Yeah. Uh, you use one of them very effectively. Mm-hmm. Yep. In fact, you got one. All right. So, grand strategies. Who wants to pick one? Okay. Blood Legions. I'll just jump into this. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if every battle round after the first, you summon any Blades of Corn Demon units to the battlefield by spending blood type points. Okay. My first reaction is why would you waste your blood type points to only summon? demons i don't know i'd have a hard time doing that you'd have to convince me to do yeah. that just to get this i don't think it's worthless to summon demons it's just really hard well because the but, cheapest demon unit can summon is what three and i'm just thinking you know the value of it versus Every using the blood single time. movement phase so yeah. except for after the first you have to summon a unit so you at minimum are spending 12 blood type yeah think what you could do with that off of the table i mean i that's why i say 
I, I don't know that it's worth it not using the table. Stack. Ironically, this was better. This would have been a better grand strategy before the new revised table came out, mm-hmm. because before it was easier to summon demons and like you got some better choices at cheaper costs. So like, sure, it may have been worth it to like. And the the old reward table wasn't as good as this current one. I don't think. Okay. okay. And so. But you're right, Dan, like just the opportunity cost of not being able to use anything on the table unless you're somehow swimming in points. And you're right, you, it's just the economy. You're right, you need at least 12 points. You're just constantly just chasing blood type points so you can get your grand strategy. And having seen the effectiveness of those blood type points on that table, I would not make that choice if you want to win the game. Anyway, so that's one. What do we got next, guys? I mean, this was really thematic, but again, like your opponent can make it impossible. Uh, Bring me a worthy skull. At the start of the first battle round, ask your opponent to pick one hero from their army to be a worthy foe. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If that hero has been slain, then the model picked to be your general has not been slain. That last part of the sentence makes it even worse. Like, you cannot lose your general. You have Mm. to kill whatever hero your opponent picks (laughs) in their army. So if they're they're either going to pick a hero they're going to hide anyway, or they're going to pick a hero that if they dies, they're already SOL. They're yeah. already like, not going to win. So or somebody who could jump around, so you send your whole army towards it, and then it just goes, ooh, Tunnel Master, woof, he goes to another right, part like, of the board. Oh. Or like all the small heroes you can pick, Dan, for your Sylvanet. You're just yeah. like, oh, I'm going to pick this Branch Wraith, and every turn I'm just going to, as soon as you get close to me, I'm just going to walk through the trees, and I'll be on the other side of the table. Yeah. Then I'll, you know, you know, oh, you came close to me again? All right, I'll run away again. You're just never going to yeah, waste your whole time chasing a hero. That's true. Like I said, it's thematic, but I wouldn't pick it. Reap the Blood Tithe. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if in every battle round after the first you spent Blood Tithe points to use a Blood Tithe reward and you did not use the same Blood Tithe reward more than once. Why would you handcuff yourself like that? Mm-hmm. Right. I lost my grand strategy because I needed to murder Lust again. Yeah. Okay. Right. And again, that's another one where it's, it's a huge amount of Blood Tithe points you have to spend. Because again, the minimum you can spend is 15, right? Did you do that math right? No. So every battle round you have to spend a different one. So you do Spell Eater Curse in their turn for one. You do Murder, you know, that's two. Murder Lust is another one. You're every at three, right? Okay. So the oh. minimum spend is 10. Yeah. Oh, right. Because it's only the, after the first. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's... Wow. Yeah. So it's only four. Only four. It's one still four. Still a huge yeah. number. And you're right, Brandon. Like, it's just... You're losing all the, the flexibility, and that's the beautiful thing of the rewards table is its flexibility. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. removing that flexibility. But, but at the same time, like, if it was just every turn you have to use a Blood Tithe reward, then it's automatic. That's too easy. So you, I see why they put that last qualifier in there, but it takes it from too easy mm-hmm. to... Why? So the last one is Disciples of Carnage. It's very standard. Almost everybody has this. Is If you can get four of your tactics out of your own book, then you're good. All right. So let's go downstairs here and look at battle tactics. I'm going to pick Slay the Sorcerer because I was the victim of this one. Uh, pick one enemy wizard hero on the battlefield. You complete this battle tactic. That hero is slain during this turn. Poof. It was your priest, too. He did his whatever it is. What is that? Thing blood you boil. Yeah. yeah, blood boil and just poof. My branch wraith was gone. That was easy. Two points for you. Yep. Trial of Skulls, pick one friendly unit. You complete this battle tactic of eight or more enemy models are slain by attacks made by that unit during this turn. Yeah. That can be tough to pull off depending on what unit you pick, but... Yeah. If you know you're going after a scream with somebody who's really crazy punchy, you could... Yeah, or you just pick a Bloodthirster to oh. go mulch something Smack and feel something pretty good around. about that. Sure. Yeah, it won't seem yeah. very achievable. Yeah, it can be tricky and, like, situational, but that's all the battle tactics, and you're mm-hmm. right. Like, if you're picking correctly... That could be a pretty easy one. It can be automatic with Scarbrand sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walks into unit, takes Carnage, rolls a one, eight models die. Sweet. Cool. Got it. All right. What's next, guys? What do you want to um, do, Dave? I like No Cowards Among Us. Mm. You can, this is a really thematic one. Again, a little harder to do. 
It's probably a better late game one where there's a... Uh, not a ton of your units. There's, yeah, well, yeah, not a lot of stuff on the table. No cards among us. You complete this battle tactic. At the end of the turn, if all friendly Blades of Corn units on the battlefield are within 8 inches of any enemy units. I like 8 inches. Normally it's 3, but mm. 8 inches, it's pretty easy to achieve even if your opponent, you know... Sure. Retreats or you, you know, kill everything, you're probably going to still end up with an 8. Especially late game. Your army's probably much smaller anyway. It's be much easier to get everything within 8 inches. Okay. Leave none standing. Pick one friendly unit within 3 inches of any enemy units. You complete this battle tactic if that unit fights in the combat phase of this turn. At the end of that phase, there are no enemy units within 3 inches of that unit. Okay. That's not bad either. It's not even that unit has to kill it. It just... It just has to fight. Yep. Yep. Battlefield runs red. You complete this battle tactic if four or more units were destroyed during this turn. Again, that's tougher to do, but late game when, you know, you've got some partial units rolling around, then cool. And it's just four units. It's not friendly or enemy. It's just... Can be yours. Can be theirs. Can be both. Yep. And then uh, blow up for the altar. Pick one enemy unit within inches of the skull altar. You complete this battle tactic if that enemy unit is destroyed during this turn. Okay. I feel like that's a fairly common one, too, for everyone who has faction terrain. There's always some variant of that. Mm-hmm. Keep it safe. And then the core battalion, which on first time reading it, I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. Until I figured out, I was like, what's a gore chosen unit? So <laughs> the battalion is mandatory five gore chosen units, three optional gore chosen units, which in a 2,000 point battle is only one optional gore chosen unit because you can't have more than six leaders. Yep. I thought at first, like, maybe some of the Gorkos weren't leaders. I'm like, nope. Yeah, right, because that was the next thing I'm going to look up. Nope, nope, nope. They're all leaders. They're all leaders. If you do, for some reason, do this, you get unified and magnificent. So one drop and an extra artifact or okay. enhancement. So that's fine. I mean, that's useful if you're running that many heroes. It Five slaughter nice. priests. Why not? <laughs> hey. Your extra enhancement is they all know another prayer. <laughs> that's not bad. That's all of it. So... Dave, would you like to start us with closing thoughts? Yeah, I really like this book. It's a big glow up from the previous one. It got a lot of the quality of life improvements that 3.0 gave everybody simplified mm. factions. Mm. I love the simplified sub-factions. And not just my favorite units got buffed, but I think every unit, even ones that lost stuff, I think got better. It's really good. Anyone who knows me, my favorite rant is I hate books where it's a mono build. Yes. Where you get the book, you read it, and there's clearly like one army, and that's it. In reading this book, I think there's a couple variants of like both mortal armies... And demon armies. And demon armies are all like, if you want to run your five bloodthirsters, you can't run five, but if you want to run four, all, four, you can run five because <laughs> technically you can reinforce them. Technically you can reinforce them. Until we get the FAQ or you can't. Right. <laughs> so if you want to run your bloodthirster heavy list, that's viable. You want a blood letter list, that's viable. Blood uh, thrones are good. Blood, thrones blood are crushers good. are good. Skull cannons are good. I mean, there's what, one war scroll that we read through that I looked at and said actively, I don't know what this unit's supposed to do. Right. Because like, Blood Reavers at 80 points have a very specific role. Blood Warriors have a very specific role. Korgrats have a very specific role. It's just Blood Reapers that don't make sense to me. Right. But even all those like little tiny heroes, they do something niche and they're enough points or they're a low enough amount of points where you go like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll give that a try. Yep. Makes sense to me. And especially in this current General's Handbook that's in- encouraging you to bring multiple... Little, little tiny heroes. Foot heroes. When you have a book that has 20, and I can bring <laughs> six in a battalion, like, okay, there's got to be... And they're all cheap. So for like 600 points, hmm. I can flood you with heroes. And that leaves me 1,400 points for the rest of my army. I think there's an army there. Yeah. Sure. And just my general thoughts of like, and it's just because this book is so massive and it, it benefits from being like the first AOS book that's why it has so much stuff. But this feels to me, this and Slave to Darkness to me are the only two complete chaos books where I can look at it and from a lore standpoint, I can see the progression of someone from just like a generic follower all the way up to a lord. Right. At every step of the way, like, okay, you start as a Blood Reaver, 
then you get promoted to a Chaos Warrior, and then to a Blood Warrior. And when you're a Blood Warrior, there's all sorts of like different ways you become an elite. Yeah, different career paths you different can take. Different career paths. Yeah. There's oh, all those cool. heroes. And like this does not that doesn't exist in the Nurgle book. Barely exists in the Zinch book. In Slanesh it really doesn't. Slash they did flesh out with more mortal followers, yeah. so it's a little better, but it's not as clear as the corn book. And then Slave of Darkness, of course, does it. But that's another reason why I really like this book. Even if, even if I weren't a corn player, I do like looking at these armies and like looking at the lore and seeing like mm. okay, I can see the path to glory in this book. Dan? I just love the Blood Tide table from the perspective that if I'm playing a corn army, it gives me so much flexibility. I mean, every time you need to do something on the table, on the table you're playing on, mm -hmm. you look at the table and you say, oh, yeah, that would be really useful right now. Or, you know, even if it's later in that turn, you can say, oh, wait a minute, here's something else. You know, you, and you're thinking ahead, like, how can I use this in my opponent's turn? And, you know, if the game goes in a certain way that you're not looking for it to go, there's plenty of tools in that toolbox that you can move it back in the way you want it to go. And I think that's really neat. We've had other books that we've seen that have a toolbox but this one is really really good and blood tithe points are pretty easily obtained currency in this book if you just think about it a little bit you don't just have to kill units anymore i mean there's all these other ways and you can have plenty and then the other thing you know that you mentioned right away davis they don't go away so if we got six i want to spend four fine i really really love that about this book i think the other piece of it is that it kind of gets to your point of being able to play multiple types of armies, but I really think there's a better balance now between mortals and demons. It seems to me that there is. You can make a fun army, not just a beat stick army on either yeah. side. So, and take your 80 blood letters or whatever the guy's taking. Just a few. This <laughs> is nuts. So that's my thoughts. Brendan? From a competitive perspective in terms of what this is going to change, Murder Lust is going to really be a brutal thing for some armies to deal with. It's a single rule in the book that is going to shape the way that other players prepare for tournaments. Having an ability that allows in your opponent's phase for you to move into combat with stuff is mm -hmm. huge. Even with some of the prevalence of retreat and charge, not a lot of armies have that. So, you know, like murder lusting into range of, of a night haunt army is useless. That's fine. That's not what you're going to use your blood tithe points for. That's okay. But using murder less to shut down a tree mm -hmm. that you were planning on teleporting to mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah, um, exactly. We just yeah. saw that, Brendan. Yeah. Using yeah. murder less to pin a screen in place so that your opponent can't effectively retreat out of the way so that something else can potentially get in is going to be huge. From a list building perspective, the demons are really, really good. Hmm. A five up ward outside of combat is wild. I mean, it's everything the Bloodthirsters wanted. Yep. It's everything the Bloodletters wanted. Yep. To me, that's the starting point for competitive lists. I'm not saying that the Bloodbound don't have it. Right? 24 Jugs is a nightmare to deal with for armies that don't have a prevalence of Rend. Yeah. If you can't do enough damage, it doesn't matter. You can't kill them. No, no. It's Nurgle on steroids yep. in the right setup. I really like Blood Warriors, but from a list building perspective, I, I'd start looking at the demon half of things first. Pairing bloodthirsters together, having just a mob of bloodletters running up field. The skull cannons are good. The blood throne is good. Having priests on the demon side is huge. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. We're gonna see some very different corn armies than we were used to seeing. Not that you saw tons and tons and tons of them before, but the fact of the matter is, is that you're going to see. You know, I mean, the last time we saw corn demons really was murder host back yep. at the start of the handbook in 2017. That's been a whole six years. You know, we saw some tyrants, right? You know, yep. the 
four or five bloodthirsters rolling around, sequence chaining, that kind of thing. And that was quite good. You know, you can do all of that again. And that's really exciting. This is going to prove to be problematic for some of the caster-heavy armies, where if you are going to feed into my blood tithe early, I'm going to get better at shutting you down, and I'm going to use my remaining blood tithe as I accumulate it, because you're planning on trying to do damage one way or the other, either turning off your desire to cast, which effectively means that I've already won, or you're going to be doing it in such an act of desperation, it's going to fuel my other blood tithe, and I can just summon things in behind me. Oh, that also, by the way, have a five-up ward, and also, by the way, have this, you know, four-up, three-up, two-up, ignore your spells anyways, either. Good luck. It's a snowball now. That's going to be really interesting. Yep, absolutely. It's well done. I'm looking forward to just kind of piecing the points together to see what, you know, you can actually put on a table altogether. Mm -hmm. But outside of Bloodthirsters, nothing in the book is over 200 points. Mm -hmm. You can field a lot of stuff. That's my piece on it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, gents. David, it was great having you back for this. This is great. And it was great playing a game against you because you were right you know before we played you were like it's good that we're playing so we'll have a better idea and we do we had a lot better idea what was in here having seen it on the table so yeah thanks everybody for coming along for this we hope it was helpful and useful as always and with that we are going to move on to scriptorium okay it's time for scriptorium we are going to first talk about the only new release that showed up this morning before we started recording which is called the last volari and this is about a vampire who is dying her vampire curse has a curse and sounds interesting if you're a soul blight player you may be interested in that but that's really it right now dave how about your reads listens and watches and stuffs i'm behind both you guys in the siege of terror series dan you're waiting for all the dead tree books to come out i'm waiting for the dead tree books to come out in soft cover because i have oh. enough hardcover in my books to put the library of conference to shame oh. so i'm currently i'm still finishing up warhawk which is oh, two yeah. books behind yes. the latest one that's an interesting book that's me that's like the most 40k of all the horror series mm. books i've read so far because the death guard yeah. are just straight up there's no question. They're Death Guard. They're Death Guard. They're all corrupted by Nurgle now, so they're all Plague Marines. It's no longer the Death Guard. It's kind of shocking because up to this point, you're reading all of just basically just like traditional sci-fi, like sci- military sci-fi, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, now it's a 40K book. Another big thing I'm reading right now is, I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with the Amazon TV series, The Boys, mm-hmm. that is based on a comic book, in case you're living on a rock I've and you didn't realize it, yeah. that. So my library has all the collected comic books of the boys in like these Uh editions so I'm gonna work my way through those it's just kind of interesting to see where the show diverts how it's the same how the characters are different so I'm just just really reading through all those and really enjoying that I'm glad you enjoyed it because I liked the first two seasons of the show yeah. So I mean for watching the last movie I saw was the latest John Wick so that's okay yeah really good of course so yeah really enjoyed that movie very cool I also saw John Wick 4 oh you did yeah did you guys go to see it or yeah oh yeah Yeah. what did you think it's fun. I mean, it, it's just action-packed, kung fu nonsense kind of <laughs> yep. stuff. Right, you know, the suspended belief of your bulletproof suits. <laughs> that was hilarious. You know, and, you know, John Wick using his gun as a three-inch range melee weapon. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun. It's like, it's what it's supposed to be. I didn't realize that the one guy voices Mr. Krabs yes. uh, from yep. Spongebob. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, who is this person? And do I know their voice? <laughs> did you Did you ever see Starship Troopers? No. Did you see that? Unfortunately, the, yes. The guy who was like Sergeant 
Mims or the guy who was the main drill sergeant, yeah. he's the same guy who played that much younger. Mr. But he Krabs. was Mr. Krabs. Yeah. That's when I learned that he was the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's very surprising when, you know, the head of, like, you know, the adjudicator of the rules of this secret murder hitman society it's so crazy that like you know just like every town has all of these hitman squads like that can just roll out at a moment's notice and i feel like people would notice a team of tattooed ladies at the top of you know the eiffel tower who are running a radio (laughs) station like right you You know the john wick series kind of reminds me of like how we're and like it, it's gotten so ridiculous, and how like the Fast and the Furious movies have gotten so ridiculous. I can't so wait ridiculous. for Fast Ten. It's oh. gonna be you know, so it's dumb. Like, it's be so Fast and Furious One started yes. with them using like Honda Accords to rip off DVD players, not even Blu-rays, yeah. DVD players. Yeah. And now they're like launching like Ford Mustangs from the International Space Station. And John Wick started with like him just shooting up some mobsters in a nightclub. And in the latest movie, they burned down half of Paris. So, <laughs> with just the amount of same amount of consequences. Yeah, they have access to a C-130 that, that they somehow get to a low enough altitude to drop Vin Diesel out the back of and land in such a format and then have two helicopters close enough behind it to grapple on to his Dodge Charger. And he is somehow able to manipulate his vehicle in such a way that can pull these two multi-ton aircraft yep. into one another. And that's the preview. (laughs) (laughs) That's three minutes of a two-hour movie, yeah. Yeah. Right? That's fun. So, uh, yeah, watch that. And then there's... It's kind of a documentary, but it's Kunk on Earth. It's a British comedian Mm. daily show kind of thing where they sit down with, like, people who actually know stuff and she mispronounces Mm. and gets things wrong the whole time and sits there and forces these, like, experts to deal with this nonsense. So it's supposed to be comedy. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very enjoyable. It's five episodes. It's like a couple hours. Okay. It's just a good time. Great. That's fun. I'm almost finished with Way of the Clans, which is the first Battletech book reading recently. It's, you know, the story of this one guy. It's like he's come back to be a warrior and stuff. Interesting. And it's my preview to reading the actual Clans trilogy. So I'm almost finished with it. I probably got another 20 minutes of reading and I'll be done with that. And then the other book is Fall from Glory. That's book one of the trilogy. I finished Blood Reaver, which is the second Night Lord's book i still love the night lords man in 40k he did such a great job of portraying them as something very different than people perceive them as being and having huron in there you're a black art the guy is just classic man if you have not listened to his audiobook yet you have to he's just such a great character but there's this one guy i was telling dave brendan about there's this one night lord his name is uzas okay and uzas is not corn but he's he's got the voices in his head. So the Night Lords haven't really gone over, except for a few of them haven't gone to chaos. But they kind of are, you know, feeling the pull. And Uzas is this guy who's a corn guy, just all the way. They'll be in this battle and they're just ripping and tearing at people and whatever else. And Talos, the head of the First Claw, is like, where's Uzas? And all of a sudden, you'll see, he'll go... Oh, there he is. He's over in a corner and he's just like stabbing this guy, just going blood for the blood gods. It just the way they portray it, it's almost comical. And Talos just gets so frustrated, like, Uzas, come on, you know, stop being that. Yeah, so but taken. It, it, it's really cool. And then just to take a break, because I listened to two in a row, I started listening to Legion again, so which is the Alpha Legion book, which I'm listening to because of rumors I've heard about Alpha Legion in the newest Siege book. 
and I'm hoping they're going to be in it more. This kind of gets me back to that. And that's the first time we ever really heard of John Grammaticus was in Legion. Great book. Yep. Great, great story. And then Cindy wanted to go see the D&D movie. And like, we haven't been to a movie together for a while, right? Because I always go with my movie buddy, Mike. And I'm like, okay, if you want to go to a movie, I'd love to go to a movie with you. We had a good time. It was just entertaining. And if you know D&D a little bit, it's very respectful to the stories and stuff. Like one of the things is an owlbear. And she looks at me, she goes, are there really owlbears? Like, (laughs) yeah, that's a real thing. People love owlbears. They're great. (laughs) Just like plushy owlbears. Yeah. And, you know, the actors, they got to portray different people, I thought, did a really good job. And the story was different than I think a lot of the reviews and stuff said. If you go to it, have an open mind and just enjoy the movie. Because it was good. And we had a great time. That's it for watches. And, yeah, we're moving on to this or that. Okay, Dave, you're going to get three questions from each of us, Wait. and then you get four back. All, All right. right. Brendan, you want to go first? or Sure. Okay. Dave, what non-Skullcrusher unit are you most excited for in this uh, Blades of Corn book? Non-Skullcrusher unit. I mean, is it too easy to say Slaughter Priest? I mean, they're really good, too. Right, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'll, go, I'll go Slaughter Priest, specifically the Wrathhammer and Hackblade, because that was so, so bad before. Now it's actually pretty good. So yeah, I'm going to say the Slaughter Priest, specifically with the one with the skull hammer and uh, hack blade. All right. Okay. This is a question I usually ask Tyler Emerson, and I've put a twist on it to uh, really test your Wisconsin-isms. Sure. You betcha. The Yeah, the 2020-2021 Milwaukee Bucks, great championship team or greatest championship team <laughs> in the history of Wisconsin? <laughs> Greatest in the history of Wisconsin. Yeah, so right, so that includes the Packers. Packers. That includes any championships that the old Bucks would have won. I'd say the Brewers, if they... We can go Milwaukee Braves. Sure, true, mm-hmm. yeah. And the any UW championships. Yeah. Oh, wait, Marquette's won one. Actually, yeah. I, I'm the Wisconsin fashion bacon, the sad face there. They haven't yeah. won any. Like, Not the 40s, they won a basketball championship. Yeah. Um, Wrestling championships in there somewhere, also, I'm sure. I'm sure the Crusher won Women's one volleyball. Too. Women's volleyball. Yeah, they were pretty good. So what do you think? Is it the greatest? I mean, it's... It pains me to say no. As much as I love the Bucks, and the Bucks are probably my favorite professional Wisconsin team at this point. It's just I don't know how you top just based on like the way the state works. I don't know how you top like the '97 Packers championship when that was mm-hmm. the first one in like literally 30 years when the team mm-hmm. was bad for yeah. 25 of those previous 30 years. So sure. coming back to the top of the mountain for that, that might be one of the greatest. Yeah, but this was after 50 years. This is after 50. It's a good point. But I think it's just great, unfortunately. Yeah. Notable Packers fan, Dave Nordstrom, says, Bart Starr is terrible. (laughs) I had a different question for my third one, but after talking about all of us watching the John Wick movie, Dave, when you were at peak physical condition, how many seconds do you think you could last in a fight against John Wick? Assuming that you had a bulletproof Kevlar suit from the John Wick universe. John Wick universe... Probably like one. One? Because close combat was never my... I was never good at killing like just one You were one an artillery person. officer, so... Yeah, if it was just killing one person, that really wasn't my specialty. It had to be a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. So, oh just, yeah. So, so you would have been one of those henchmen that like came around the corner, and then it's just... 
pop and drop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or maybe, you know, again, with the bulletproof suit, maybe I would have gotten a little bit closer and then he would have been stabbed by his gun instead of shot by it. Yeah, or he <laughs> throws the magazine at your head yeah. and you stagger and you, like, you break your head on the piece of glass or something. Uh, maybe like God. the blind guy would stab you with a mm. pencil four yeah, times. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And That's I'll ask the same question to you, Dan. Peak physical condition, Dan Bears. How many seconds could you last? Five? You think you could do five against against John Wick with a Kevlar bulletproof Kevlar suit, suit from the a, from the universe? A, yeah, probably. Okay. That would be it. Slightly more hand to hand survival knife. Yeah. yeah, you know, probably something like that. Yeah. Okay. Which is weird because I was a Navy guy and you wouldn't right. think that I. But ship it was, to ship combat. Well, yeah. no, it was the. They had you swinging across the ropes to. It's to, when to I started the galleon. I went into the intel side and I started having to train in other things that I carry the knife good between at. your teeth. No, no, that <laughs> the metal just tastes horrible. <laughs> K bars are horrible for that. Oh <laughs> uh, man, okay. My first question for you dave is so you can only take one of these yep. in your jug army okay a jug lord or a slaughter priest only take one you can only take one of those you have to choose well, between the two i have to take the jug lord because he makes the jugs battle line okay i'm just yeah so you yeah. have to yeah i can survive without because i know you love the slaughter priest i do He's i can, great i can survive without the priest like the jug lords make the army work because he makes them battle line okay and then the two bloodthirsters is it insensate rage or unfettered fury yeah, which one is which? The explodey act versus it, the one rage that is the, the one that's punchy, and then the unfettered one is kind of the buff one. Yeah, so it's okay. explodey act, the punchy versus, versus the. Boy. Oh, I think the blood axe one, the big axe one is way okay. More fun. So unfettered, I, if you unfettered fury rage. is good. You know, if you get them lots of supporting units, but that big axe one, you just throw forward and he just boom deletes entire battle. Casino dice. Okay. Right. And then the last one is, yeah, an NBA question. Dan, right. really? Did, yeah. Are you, are you playoff okay? time? Here we go. In the West. Yes. Memphis or Denver? Oh, two teams Dave does not believe in. <laughs> Notably, Steven Adams is going to be out for the entire playoffs. That was yeah, just yes. reported here during the show break. So, like, which one's going to make it farther? Which one's going to make it to the finals. Neither. It's the Suns. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, mean, we'll see. I, I want to see the Suns healthy together for three Of these weeks, two teams that I gave you a choice rounds. I would go Denver. Okay. Denver's a really good team when they're rolling. I understand there's, there's more depth with Memphis. Memphis is more fun. I would say there's more fun. There's one fun player on... Well, I mean, yeah, Jamal Murray's not, not, not fun per fun. se. Yeah. But like... He's good at basketball. He's good at basketball. It's entertaining uh, basketball. Porter Jr. is like a 6'10 shooting guard. That's kind of fun. Just too much. But like, in Jokic is Jokic. Yeah, Jokic is a once in a generation player. He's certainly fun. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team is not great behind him. Yeah. So you God, think that Memphis, bench is terrible. terrible. So you think Memphis, but I don't know. Like Denver's been through this a bunch of times. Still, Memphis is still really young and immature. Mm-hmm. I with just, no Stephen Adams is somehow like the center of that team. Mm. Just makes it work. But I think Denver's got the better chance. Okay. So just in case you don't know who I am, me and Brennan have been friends since like what 2015. Since I moved up here, yeah, 2015 ish. You know, Dan, we've been friends for a long time. I've listened yeah. to basically every episode of the show <laughs> ever since Brennan joined. So. I'm very familiar with these two. These are going to be very pointy questions. Very specifically, these are very honed questions. Spent a lot of time. I spent like the last year working on these questions. <laughs> so, yep. God. Just some very, Brendan, no we'll pressure at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, Brendan, yep. your alma mater is well known for its unique student clubs. Yes, they are. Which one is better? The Yard Patrol Craft Squadron or the Surface Navy Association? The Yard Patrol Craft Squadron. <laughs> 
It, it's very important to understand the history of such an esteemed establishment like the yeah. Naval Academy, where it came from. I think this club gives you a taste of what the former life of midshipmen was like. I would say that, you know, your shore services are important to, you know, naval success, but, yep. you know, that's more of a career path than a club in my mind. Right, exactly. YP squadron, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, Dan. Yes. I'll go back and forth. Oh, whatever you so, want. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dan, your alma mater recently hired a new football coach. Yes. Do you think Purdue hiring its first defensive-minded head coach since the 1980s is more about the individual hired or the fundamental shift in what Purdue is looking for in its football program? <laughs> Oh, my God. I really wish you would have gone out to six questions. I'd have to say a fundamental change in their program. Yeah. And so they're just... Yeah, I mean, they want to continue to be above average. With all due respect to my wonderful co-host, they're an six average BIU ruin someone's season, make a bowl right. game. Like we'll yeah. build a statue for yeah, you. Okay, you get to yeah. be here twenty years. Right. So <laughs> I, they want to be above average, yeah. and I think their choice will make them above average. Yeah. So you think abandoning. The historical program that you've rooted for for so many years that was the inventor of effective, effectively the shotgun spread offense, okay. which is what all the NFL teams run, right? Know, and you know, subsequent you know iterations have been built on, right? The air raid, which is the direction Mike Leach went on, or the RPO shotgun mm-hmm. offense, which is what, shotgun offense. Yeah. yeah, that's where it originated from. How do you abandon such a history? It would be like asking my alma mater, the Naval Academy, to stop running uh, the triple option. Okay, right. just so everybody understands. Brendan went to Purdue. I went to the Naval Academy. Just so no, there's that's no, not right. Just so there's no confusion. But that doesn't sound right. At because all. of the questioning, I think you might be confused. But that's I get what right. you're saying. No. Yeah. No. Anyway, Dan is. I don't know what Dan's thinking right now. It's been a long show, folks. So, All Brennan, right. let me get another question sure. here. Brennan, you're known for being a voracious reader, uh-huh. often listening to and reading several Dead Tree books at the same time. Yep. What book ah! or book series ah! Ah! do you wish you could reread or listen to? Ah! For the first time again. I would probably say the Lord of the Rings series. The magic of what Tolkien... Like, the movies are great. Don't get me wrong. But the books that he wrote are so expansive and serve as such like a foundational and fundamental element to so many of our modern fantasy settings that, that I read about all the time. Yeah. You know, there are few if any works that are modern that don't take some level of inspiration from mm-hmm. what Tolkien wrote. And sure. being able to experience that again totally new would be really cool. Okay, coolio. So, Good question, Dave. Dan, so, the last question for you. Yeah. This is a professional question to bring us all home. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, when you're doing your computational fluid dynamic assessments, what's the resolution you like to use to get the best balance between runtime and accuracy? I mean, this is something you do every day. It shouldn't be hard. <sighs> So the I don't even understand the question because like wow why don't you, right. you repeat the question sure no problem when you are doing your computational fluid dynamic assessments yes what's the resolution you like to use to get the best balance between runtime and accuracy <laughs> oh my god yeah I'm sorry to ask you a work question on your day off I'm sorry <sighs> this is supposed to be an entertaining podcast. I think, I, I, I think the people want to know, Dan. I, I, I feel like we can entertain and teach at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Brent and I are engineers. I don't even play one on TV, so I think yeah, it would be nice for you yeah. to help us out here. Yeah, sure. Sure. Wow. Accuracy and runtime, huh? Yeah. yeah. What's the resolution you like to run those at? Wow. I have no response to that. I mean, maybe it's a trade secret, so you don't want to give it away on air. I understand that. Probably. That's yeah. probably what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> those were freaking four awesome questions, man. 
Could have been six. Yeah. Can we please go to six? I really liked my. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See if I can go. All right. Oh, God. All right, man, so I do some so bonus fun. questions. Okay, two bonus questions. Oh, my popular demand of the people demand some bonus questions. So I got okay. some here for you. Okay. All right, okay. Brendan, I'll go back to you. All right, Brendan. As a formal naval officer, mm-hmm. I know you're keeping up with current naval okay. affairs. This is where we're going here. The, the Navy announced that it plans to start retiring the littoral combat ships as part of the fiscal year 23 budget, despite the oldest ship in the class being only seven years old. And as you know, a ship being retired after seven years. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It'd be like you getting rid of a car after six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was the LCS program a bad idea or a good idea poorly executed? I'm a firm believer just kind of in all things. And, you know, I talk about it a lot when I'm, I'm talking about Warhammer stuff yeah. is be great at something. Don't be good at a lot of things. And the LCS, for those that don't know, is somewhere between like a frigate and, you know, some of your lower size ships that operate more towards shoreline. Yep. And you know, that, it, that's what littoral means. Yeah, means right. It's, it's the area of... Yeah. It's the, not blue water Navy is yeah. what it's not. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's and not supposed to. They had uh, like close range operating kind of equipment you know, like helicopters to do short-range operations, a little bit of submarine hunting kind of thing. There's a lot of things that they were supposed to do, and I'm a firm believer of be great at something as opposed to be really good at a bunch of things, and the LCS was good at none of them, and so ultimately served no function largely within the framework of the modern U.S. Navy. Forgetting both of those answers was a failure outright. This is more of a failure than the Bradley Fighting Vehicle, or, you know, was it the F-35 program, which because, like, at least the F-35, when they're functional, do something. Yeah. Well, the Bradley's successful as well. I don't know. The large overrun, it's such a middle-purpose item. You know, when it's... you compare it to the M113, it was generations ahead. I mean, it's in terms of being an armored fighting vehicle or a transport, it was light years ahead. And I would say that Bradley is still in service and still will be. And the LCS yes. barely lasted seven years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sadness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know you have no opinion on that question. Not at all. You don't care about naval military matters at all. I don't at all, so I'm so not going to interject pay anymore. To that question. No, yeah. I did not. All right, Dan, so your last question. Oh, here we go again. Last bonus question. All right. <laughs> More quality engineering stuff. Exactly. Dan, your nickname is the Lord of Death, and you've become quite infamous for your love and expertise with all matter of death faction armies. What type of unit are you more disappointed that the OBR aren't going to get in their new book? Archers or chariots? I'm so disappointed that they're not going to have more shooting. I really am. I feel that they're much too focused on close combat. I think that they needed to diversify their delivery systems in terms of damage. So I really, really think that bone archers with some kind of really cool special rule that either debuffs or... I don't think they should go with mortal wounds because everybody gets mortal wounds on a six. You know, it's, it's yeah. so mundane. I think they needed something fitting for their army. Maybe, again, something that projects some kind of a oh, aura like or whatever. Yep. Uh, yep. You can't receive a command ability or something in, like until that. the end of the turn. Something like Minus that. Minus one rend. You're minus one. Your rend is reduced by one. Or if you wound someone else, you can heal if that unit was hit by bows or something like that. So I think that is a big miss not having. I, really I just do. think like having a shooting death army would be wild too. It'd make the defaction really distinct from all of the other death armies. All the death armies are very close combat focused. If you have one all of a sudden that's mm-hmm. is shooting, like that would be yep. wild. I think it'd be great. I think it'd shake up the meta a little bit, too, you know, for the people to have to deal with that, whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. That was awesome. That was just excellent, man. Thank you. All right. Very welcome. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did, because we had a great time with that. That was awesome. It was great. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to show clothes, gents. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. 
Sunday announcements at all? Well, it's Saturday. Oh, yeah, duh. Hello. <laughs> I'm just recovering from our this or that that I totally Yeah, you forget. weren't expecting Dave to know you were running MagmaSoft software on no. a day-to-day basis. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's okay. I know the standard operation is uh, nine cubes per cubic millimeter. So there you go. Know, That's perfect then. Having those numbers. trade secrets that Dan was afraid to. See, yeah. I would prefer to just not respond because <laughs> then I can't get in trouble. Any, any Q&A for you? Yeah. So we have a question from Betsy that I think is perfect for <laughs> Dave to answer here. Which food should you eat in front of your opponent before you play a game to embody corn most? A blood orange or corn on the cob, which is a husk on still attached at the bottom, dipped in butter, and dusted with cayenne powder? I think the blood orange, because when you bite into a blood orange, that stuff's going to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're going to be covered in something that looks like blood. And frankly, just take your shirt off. <laughs> just take your shirt off. Just go shirtless. Make sure you work out a bunch first. You know, all the corn guys have been lifting pretty heavy. Skulls are not light. Skulls are not light. So yeah, just go shirtless, eat that blood orange, and just let it uh, run down your face. Just be covered in the blood. I appreciate the corn pun. We all do. But eat that blood orange. I had one. Yeah. And it's from Andy. Okay. And Andy asked Brendan, "Oh boy, when are you going to play a Morgast list?" I mean, like all Morgast? Yeah, that was the intent. Probably never. All right. Thank you, Leaks, for showing us what they do in OBR now. They're really good in OBR now. I think that's the, why he asked. I mean, yeah. thank goodness. They serve a real clear, specific role. Okay. You know, the Asa Factor, we'll cover the book. You can go listen to me on the Combat Phase podcast with Kenny Lull. The Asa Factor gives them an additional rend, giving their swords rend two, their halberds are rend three. <sighs> you oh, have a base ugly. command ability uh, that you can use in the combat phase to bump up your halberds to rend four and your swords to rend three. What? Oh. Sixes to hit, explode. You can get those yeah. triggering on fives uh, God. being within three inches of them you can't use any command abilities if they charge with an eight plus unmodified they gain strikes first the archive can have a ward of a five up save you know there's also a command ability that gives you plus one to ward so you can be a five up ward but also run three you can get the swords to six attacks a piece and the archive are the ones with the halberds right so the weapons are interchangeable okay the archive right. are the armored ones yes the harbingers are the the winged ones the harbingers deep strike now the archive right. can have a five up ward if they're wholly within 12 inches of a hero they're a four up save base but you know you're looking at potentially starting games with like eight nine ten command points so like mm-hmm. go nuts we just start with that many command points yeah right. looks like i'm to Listen to the combat phase podcast. Yeah, with Kenny, Kenny Lull. Lull. Yes. Get the whole yeah, scoop on Do that. Listeners, yeah. That's so those episodes are out, out to right Kenny. now. Even right now, us talking here and right. also when the listener listens to it. That Bone Reaper book, they did a great job. I'm super excited for us to eventually get to it. Being true to faith of what the Bone Reaper army is supposed to feel like. I'm probably not going to run an all Morgast army, but Kyle Knapp probably will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure, sure. I did the math. 14 is the most Morgast that you can run. That's Still. the most gas? That's the most gas. And how are they five apiece, six apiece? What are they? Uh, six wounds apiece. Six apiece, okay. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy good. All right, cool. Well, that's the answer to both our questions there. All right, next episode, Slanesh. Yep. I think is good. And then we'll do uh, our Rubicon. recap after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we can dive into our. Yeah. Then we can fix Soul Blight or yeah. Bone Reapers. And yeah. By then, Seraphon might also be out. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Just rolling. I mean, possibly. Forever. Right? Yeah, it depends. All right, cool. That's it then. Dave, one more final thank you for being on board, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And we'll get another game in the next couple weeks for sure. Most stuff. Yeah. And Brendan, thanks as always, buddy. Yep. And listeners, thank you. Hope you all have a good spring as we're coming to that finally. Oh, my God, man. I'm so tired. Yeah, it's going to be 70 next week. This foolishness. It's super nice outside right now. Yeah. yeah. My wife went back east. It was, she called me 
It's like, hey, it's 85 here. I'm like, I just wanted to hang up, you know? It's like, really? Thanks, dear. Anyway, you guys take care. Stay safe. And don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye. This is the end.